Hello, welcome and bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, morhaba, it's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 238 on Sunday the 3rd of July 2022, I'm Armist Phil, I'm Armist Ben, and I'm Armist Matt, and tonight our very special guest is Maria Weekly. how are you doing Maria? Very well, thank you for having me on the show and uh, yeah, it's great to be here, thanks. You're more than welcome. Um, I was saying just before we started, um, and I should say up front, thanks to Noble from uh, CFR for help setting this, setting this up because um, I heard you on his podcast. He, he split it up into like two sections and uh, you were talking about megaliths and ancient Sikh societies, lost civilizations and uh, ancient archaeology and all the rest of it. And I thought, crikey, this is well up our street. So um, thanks so much for joining us. It's good. Um, I think a good place for to start, maybe for uh, people who aren't familiar with you, is maybe just tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, well, I'm Maria, and I'm a second generation dowser. I followed in the footsteps of my late father, and I've done my own research. Uh, into megaliths and made some great discoveries such as the elongated skulls of Stonehenge. I look at the earth energy patterns, the design canons worldwide from the pyramids to Malta to places like uh, Sardinia in search of what the ancients were really doing with uh, their sites and what we've inherited today in effect. Right, so... I mean, I guess one of your main focuses is uh, the ancient sites in the UK. Uh, yes, uh, very much so, and and Egypt. I mean, the the ancient sites in the UK where we're spoiled for choice because we have over thousand surviving stone circles alone in the ancient uh, in the ancient uh, UK. So we're very blessed uh, to some regard. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, you can't move for stone circles uh, around these islands, can you? <laughs> Yes, we have places like Stonehenge, Cavanish, Orkney, for example. And in Ireland, you know, we have numerous uh, sacred sites. And I've, I've studied, you know, uh, all of the, the sites, the major sites uh, around the British Isles. Have you ever been to Castle Rig Stone Circle? That's near us up in the lakes. Mm, many times. I mean, uh, Castle Rig is amazing. It's got such a beautiful backdrop of mountains, and uh, it's, it's quite a good reconstruction as well. And the largest uh, stone, which is at the, the, the kind of far end, as it were, that casts a shadow two miles long at wow. the summer solstice. And there's numerous ancient sites sighted along that shadow line. So at Castle Rig, it was about shadow lines and the placement of stones as well and not 
far away, you have Swinside in Cumbria, which is the most complete stone circle in the British Isles. And it has 55 stones in situ. That's unprecedented. And when I take people to Swinside, as you walk into the avenue, because the thing about the Cumbrian stone circles where where you are, you have like four stones as an entrance. You don't have major megalithic avenues like at Avery and Stonehenge. You have portal entrances. And as you walk into Swinside, you can actually feel the heat pouring off the stones if you enter it correctly. It's a astonishing very powerful wow. so any kind of idea how lo- how old that is at Swinside that formation they're, they're older than the uh, according to orthodox archaeology and dating the Cumbrian stone circles as indeed Orkney and other places in Scotland are older than Stonehenge and Avebury so you're looking at according to the archaeologist Aubrey Burl to around 3200 3100 BC wow and so I mean what do we know about the people who built these sites because as far as I understand it and I'm only going off sort of like what I know about the standard model is that the, the Celts didn't arrive till maybe a thousand BC around that sort of area so as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong. So who do we know anything about these the people who were building these sites, you know, like two millennia before that? Yes, we do, because there's been a lot of archaeological excavations of settlements. For example, at Stonehenge nearby, you have a a settlement called Durrington Walls. And once you have a settlement, you can find out a little bit more about the people, what they were eating, what they were what they were drinking and what what they were doing to to a certain degree really and certainly around the Stonehenge environs people were coming from all over the continent you have evidence from amber coming from Estonia jet coming from Whitby Bay in North Yorkshire and beads from Egypt. So these were cosmopolitan centres where people were coming together at certain times of the solar year to to celebrate. And a lot of people suggest that at Stonehenge, for example, it was a healing location, a healing site, which has been documented ever since the 12th century uh, when Geoffrey of Monmouth said every single stone of Stonehenge has healing virtue. Wow! Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of he was a bit of a character that Jeffrey of Monmouth, and uh, <laughs> I remember reading a book a few years ago, and it was about it was written by two Welsh guys who were looking into uh, the the story of King Arthur and, and going back oh, through Alan, all Alan Wilson. I think it was yeah yeah, and they were using like stories from the Welsh bards and the old Welsh language to try and narrow bits of the story down. It was absolutely fascinating, and, and I think they relied quite. Heavily on maybe, I think a lot of, I guess a lot of people are relying Henry heavily on Geoffrey of Monmouth because there are there weren't many people like him who were documenting all this stuff. No, uh, just preceding him slightly uh, was William of Malmesbury. He documented a uh, Stonehenge rather in the 12th uh, century as well. And then after that time, it isn't really until the 1600s that you've got good documentation of uh, archaeological practices at places like Stonehenge by Inigo Jones and uh, the Duke of Buckingham. So there's a big gap, if you see what I mean, between the 12th century and, and indeed the 1600s. Um, you mentioned uh, just a minute ago about amber 
Um, it, and Amber coming from, I think it was the Black Sea area. Is is this the, are they called faience beads or something like that? No, the faience beads are absolutely stunning. They're a kind of piercing blue, striking colour, which are more Mediterranean and Egyptian. So that's where they come from. The uh, amber came from the Estonian area. And they made them into these beautiful breastplates. So if you imagine pieces of amber in a kind of rectangular shape, uh, seven inches long by two inches wide, and the priesthood at Stonehenge would wear these over, over the, their breasts like uh, priests throughout the world that would be very very stunning looking the thing about amber the thing about jet as well it has a kind of electrical property things can stick to it it looks quite magical you know a bit like when you comb your hair with a nylon comb it'll go it will stick up Uh, amber has those properties as well so you can attract uh, um, you know different substances towards it but more than that the priesthood around Yorkshire and indeed around Stonehenge would uh, burn intoxicating opiates and swing them like church church censors like you know Catholic priests would do and they would lead people into Stonehenge like that because you've got numerous what's called incense bowls that have been found uh, throughout the British Isles so there was a kind of you know very altered state state of consciousness going on within these stone circles in the mid-bronze age. Did you say opium? Yes, that has been uh, analysed through what's called the incense pot when they thought it was just going to be aromatic flavoured, um, you know, herbs. And it turned out it wasn't. It, it was it was opiates, which have been uh, grown in the Mediterranean since about 3000 BC. Right. So they've, they've, did they manage to trace where that opium could have come from then? Exactly. That that's what what they've done, and uh, and they realise now, you know, that when they first of all when they found these incense pots in Bronze Age burials, especially the mid Bronze Age, which is around one thousand nine hundred and fifty BC, and they analysed the substances, they realised that you know these were very strong opiates and possibly, and and the jury's out on that, whether it was cannabis as well, and certainly they were brewing alcohol to to a strong regard as well, and the flavoured meat that they really liked was young pork fed on honey, very sweet meat. Wow. I think uh, we we sort of uh, forget just how connected things were in the Bronze Age. Know whether it was tin from from Cornwall, lapis lazuli from Afghanistan. It was a very interconnected world, and I guess the people who built Stonehenge would that civilization have been around at that time at the sort of the end of the bronze is, was maybe the Bronze Age collapse. What what finished off the megalith builders? Bronze Age collapse, according to Orthodox archaeology, was 1500 BC. There were no other stone circles built after that, but that was really due to a lot of different like political and social circumstances that were happening at that time. So that's when the kind of megalithic building uh, phase ended. But you see, with if you, if you go back to its early roots and you go to somewhere like Avebury or Stonehenge, it's what's called a composite monument. It's not built built in one phase. So you will get phase one of Avebury, which is the very large stones, like the Coe stones and the Obelisk stone, and their stone settings. And then 500 years passed, and then the stone circles were built around those stone settings. And then 
up to 300, 400 years after that, avenues were built. And when people go to these ancient sites, they think they were all built at the same time. They look around the ancient landscape and see round barrows and long barrows, and they all think they're contemporary, but they're not. There's like a thousand years in between each culture that actually added to these sites. And same at Stonehenge. You have Stonehenge Phase 1, Stonehenge Phase 2, Stonehenge Phase 3 and 4. And they're all kind of protracted over a long period of time, uh, as much as 1,200 years. Yeah, I think the blue stones at Stonehenge were, were a later addition in, in phase three or phase four or something. They weren't there to start with. What amazes me is the, the span of time you're talking about, because for something, a certain site, to stay in, assume, you know, presumably regular usage for over a thousand years i mean can we think of modern equivalents to that is it suggests a level of stability in the society at the time uh well i i actually don't think that uh, if i may say so because if we, if we go back to, to the blue stones the blue stones were the first to be introduced into stonehenge phase one 86 they had 56 blue stones in phase one uh, in a large circle at Stonehenge, and another 27, possibly 30, at a place called Blue Stonehenge. And that was built by one particular culture. They were the Neolithic people, the ancient Britons uh, of this isle. And uh, they had longer skulls than what we have, dark skin than what we have and they were very very short people we know this because when you go to the contemporary monuments such as the the long barrows they are left behind obviously in burial deposits their skulls and their femur bones and once you have a femur bone you can get an estimated height so the men of the neolithic that actually put up the heaviest stones were only about five foot four and the women were about four feet four, four feet eight sorry and then in 2005 500 BC, you have an immigration wave from Europe called the Beaker culture. And the Beaker culture were much taller, and they uh, adopted some of the ancient sites and added to them. So you're looking at two different civilizations over a long period of time. And like I say, you can start to really analyze these two different cultures by burial deposits. For example, only long-skulled people were buried in long barrows, and only round-skulled people were buried in in round barrows. So these are the two different cultures that were interacting and working within the ancient landscape, building monuments, changing the existing monuments uh, within within a prehistoric timeline. Now, uh, I've never heard about long skulls found at Stonehenge. Tell us about them. Well, it was in 2000. Yeah, 2015, that I discovered the first elongated skulled woman, actually, in the in the Stonehenge environs. And I, I kind of traced her down to Cambridge University, photographed her for, you know, physical evidence. And their, their long skulls were not like the Paracas skulls of Peru, which are kind of cone heads going up. If you imagine they're more long skulled this way um, and they were the, the kind of neolithic people of that time so they were like i said they were they tended to be smaller they had long skulls and they were uh, placed into the neolithic long barrows 
Whereas, as I mentioned earlier, the much uh, the Europeans, like us in a way, the Europeans came into these isles in 2500 BC and really changed it. ADNA, meaning ancient DNA, has been analyzed from, you know, hundreds of uh, skulls and uh, different parts of the, the, the human anatomy. And it was discovered that between the arrival of the Beaker culture, these two cultures did not mix for 500 years. But by around 2480 BC, the ancient DNA of the Neolithic had been eradicated. Britain had been transformed. And anthropologists and uh, most modern-day archaeologists agree with that, like Tom Booth and um, Dr. Selena Brace and Ian Barnes. They've been doing a lot of uh, DNA uh, studies. So we know that the ancient Britons were responsible for building the monuments the beaker culture came after and adapted and modified the monuments. Wow. You know, the, the elongated skulls at Stonehenge, do we know if these were like a, a binding, like a, an artificially, you know, what they do with like, um, is it feet binding in China, is it? Or, or yeah, like whether it was like a natural, binding. just like a genetic thing, or do we know? That's a really good question, and, uh, and and yes, it's a bit of both, actually. So, uh, the ruling elite uh, extended their naturally long skulls uh, and made them longer, whereas the kind of, you know, lesser people, the, the, the non-rulers, if, if you will, they didn't, and they had long skulls but not as long. So there was a definite kind of elite um, lineage within within Stone, within Stonehenge, and it was only the the rulers that went into the long barrows. There were flat graves, like what I'll end up in six feet under, so to speak, flat graves that uh, just you know co- more common people, so to speak, would would go into the flat graves. So there was a hierarchy even in the Neolithic period. And do you think that hierarchy would have been related to like a priestly class? Or like a, a ruling uh, monarchy type or chieftain sort of class? I think it was a priestly caste because when you start to look at some of the artefacts that were placed in, into the barrows uh, as well, you get things like uh, antlers and you get small kind of stones that would have meant something to the, these people. And again, more of a crude uh, style of incense pot and pryrite to make fires. These are all luxury goods in, in the Neolithic that would have meant that you were a priestly caste. I mean, we must remember that, you know, in, in the ancient world, even by the Iron Age from 750 BC to, uh, to 1000 BC thereafter, the, the priestly caste was was the ruling elite and kingship at the same time. The two were very closely entwined. And even in ancient Egypt, the the two are entwined. So I think in ancient Britain, it was definitely a priestly caste. And by the time of, you know, 1950 BC, known as Wessex Stage 3 in the archaeological record, the priestly caste were magnificent looking. They wore gold. They had gold trestles in their hair. They wore very fine finely white silky clothing which was made from nettle and even could be a kind of eco-friendly um, uh, material for, for our future because it, it, it's really kind of strong and robust so they looked quite they looked the part mm. that's a great point i guess 
the separation of church and state is quite a recent development, really, for our sort of civilization, our culture in that. Yeah, you're right. They were probably one in the same for most of human history. Is this something to do with, you know, one of the things that I tend to think about is when I think about stone circles and the links with agriculture and, and, and having that knowledge of being able to predict the seasons with accuracy and when's the best time to plant and when to harvest and all that. And the sort of the power that that gives you, that knowledge, if you like, that the people working the land maybe don't have. Is this part of the reason why this evolved into like a priestly class and then a kingly class, this sort of knowledge of the seasons and how to build, how to do it, how to build the monuments? Uh, exactly. I mean, agriculture is entwined to daily life in, in, the, in the ancient world. And at Stonehenge, phase one, with the 56 blue stones, as in 1960s, Gerald Hawkins and Sir Fred Hoyle pointed out, it's an eclipse predicting computer. So now you can predict things like, you know, blood red moons uh, and, and the like. But in my, uh, you know, forthcoming book, A Secret History of uh, Stonehenge, I point out that it's not just the timing of the season. I think that the ancients could utilize uh, particular Earth energy cycles, place the seed within that cycle, and uh, in in certain agricultural trials that I have been I have been doing, the seed grows uh, much faster and much straighter. And I think what the ancients knew not only where to place a monument, which is at an Earth energy nexus point of ley lines, Earth currents, deep waters, magnetism, and various other the things when it came to growing agriculture they knew where to plant as well and even if you kind of look to what's called lynchets they can be in the most inhospitable place and yet they produced a harvest in ancient greek terms uh, with their chroniclers and how they were writing about the ancient britons they all said the same thing britain had two harvests per year and we could supply ancient Europe and I think it's it's like when you come to an ancient site it's location 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 because you have to find all the criteria to make it a very powerful center with electromagnetic energies and like I just mentioned lanes and earth currents and when it comes to growing the the crops they could tell areas that were not going to produce good foods and so they would mark that out in the ancient landscape as well basically they were living in harmony with nature they knew about Gaia's good earth energies and what's called geopathic stress, which is her more negative earth energies. This reminds me of something that came up when we had Brian Forster on. Mm. And it was I right. Yeah, he's great. He's due back, actually. We need to get on to him. He said he, he said he would come back in the summer. Mm-hmm. But um, just towards the end, it was like a, just a throwaway at the end. But he, he mentioned cause, um, something about the correlation of the different sites in Central and Southern America. And he, he, he briefly mentioned something about Earth energies and and lines. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Brian this- knows of my work, and Brian knows I'm going to be bringing this out. Brian is going to be forwarding my next book, which has this chapter uh, in oh, wow. it. So, uh, so yes, Brian, you see, he's the elongated skulls of Bracus, and I'm the elongated stones of Stonehenge. I had the great um, pleasure of taking Brian around Stonehenge. He chose me as his guide. And so I was supposed to have been doing a tour with him in ancient 
in Egypt actually in March, but Brian had, um, you know, COVID and I got COVID. uh, And so it was a non-starter. But nonetheless, I have been looking into the earth energy patterns that can promote good harvests. And the thing is, the ancients were knowing where to place them at a particular cycle within the sun and within the moon to enhance it. And and, and that that's the key. They were working with the natural cycle. Now, if you're working with a natural cycle and you can produce better food to harvest per year, uh, the, the, the little known fact is that in the 1950s, with the advent of fertilizer, for example, that was when the fertilizers really kicked off. It was in the 1950s. Prior to that, the harvest yields of the Iron Age people could not be beaten. It was only because of fertilizers. So that is telling you that the ancients knew all about agriculture far, far better than the modern mindset. Yeah, well, we're so separated from it now, aren't we? We just go to this place called a supermarket and it's all there for you. You just take your pick. All these things that don't even grow anywhere near you. They've come from halfway across the world, you know, like tangerines and stuff and bananas. It's like, we, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on the sort of trying to live sustainably, eat food that grows seasonally and, and locally. And yeah, I do worry about this sort of, GMO stuff and and uh, you know sort of I don't know it's natural is best I guess I don't think we need it I think if we adopt uh, the the ancient templates because where it was when I was studying with uh, Lisa Brown at Oxford that I realised that the ancients were repeating a particular pattern all across especially the southwest which is still the agricultural hub you know it, it really is and and they made this kind of template and it was repeated and repeated and repeated throughout the southwest so when you have a template in agriculture Culture. When you have a template of what makes a sacred site a holiest of holies, you start to repeat it because it works. So, so for example, one of the templates of an ancient site is a very, very deep aquifer. Now, you find a deep aquifer, whether it's beneath Stonehenge, the, the pyramids of Egypt, at Giza, or in Mexico. That's one of the design canons that the ancients uh, were aware of. Now, I today detect those through the medium of dowsing. We use a dowsing rod, and I'm quite sensitive to those energies uh, anyway. But I actually would be challenging even that. Maybe our ancient ancestors, because of their long skulls, which have a bigger brain capacity, we could say that they were highly intelligent. But could it be on a metaphysical level but they also had greater spirituality. And when I've done some tests on standing stones that have um, a hertz frequency that's been emitted by the standing stone, uh, it often is uh, just under the audible hearing of around 20 hertz. We hear at 20 hertz. So if you have these lower hertz frequencies coming out of the stones and the ground, could they have heard that? Could the ancients have had a completely different sensory perception of an ancient site than we do today? I think it's probable. Yeah. So explain, you use the sort of dowsing methods to find aquifers 
this is something I know nothing about other than I've seen someone on t- t- TV with like two rods like this and then they cross. Is that right? Am I in the picture? Yeah, I mean, that, that's old school. Yes. I mean, they would be, you know, use a, old, You have a laptop, do you? <laughs> for dowsing. <laughs> no, I don't have a laptop. I wish I did. That would be a good thing. Uh, no, uh, I, I kind of, you know, a professional dowsers these days just use one rod because you use directional dowsing. And if you've got one rod poking ahead like that, as it were, and you say, show me the direction of the nearest aquifer, it's going to go like that. And then you follow it. It's called tracking. And then the rod will come towards you. And that's found. If you've got two rods, you can't really do directional dowsing, if you see what I mean. You're just finding things but maybe not with the intent of finding it. You're just walking around and the, and the rods cross. You know, a, a good master dowser knows and can interpret the energy they find in the land through the pattern it emits. So, for example, deep water emits a spiral pattern. Uh, another type of water has three wavy lines, you know, like the old-fashioned symbol of water. Then you get another concentric circles of energy. And all of these can be interpreted uh, through the, the medium of, of dowsing. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like the idea of having this laptop. Are you guys going to make me the kind of fusion <laughs> dowsing or something? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm thinking like, is there like a um, a spiritual sensitivity element to all this? Do you have you always oh, had this sort of in your in in your life had this sort of um, more heightened sensitivity to these sorts of things than the average Joe on the street? I think we all have it because when I take people to sites like Avebury or Stonehenge, people just sense it. You know, it's a bit like if you went into a room and people have been arguing and you say that old fashioned saying you can cut the air with a knife. Yeah. And now if you put that to another angle and saying, you know, there's positive energy here, people people sense that. And the ancients were very clever in how they laid out their, their monuments. For example, whether you go to a gigantic temple like Karnak in Egypt or whether you go to Avebury uh, or Stonehenge in, in Wiltshire, for example, there's always one area or standing stone, in the case of a stone circle, where it emits a lot of negative ions coming out of the ground. And if you stand in that area, it's almost like the your whole uh, auric field, your whole being becomes cleansed before you enter the monument. So you don't take your emotional baggage with you. And I got taught this by some Catholic dowsers that were doused in North uh, Italy and said this is how the priesthood interacts with the Catholic Church. So they're interacting with the Catholic Church in a pagan manner. And then when I started to look into the design canons of ancient sites, I thought, well, I found the same now at Avebury and Stonehenge and Karnak. So I think we have this inbuilt sensitivity. You don't have to have been around Avebury for half your life like me. You really don't. You can just step into to the moment. For example, I was with two people at the weekend, put them into an environment, and they instantly said, I feel calm. You know, you put them somewhere else and they may say, I feel something else there. So so I think it's for everybody and anyone. I don't know. Maybe my pineal glands just cr- covered in crusty fluoride and that's my problem. I can't have any, like, <laughs> I haven't had any paranormal experience. All right, I haven't been looking for them, but I haven't had any paranormal experiences. No. 
Mm. Well, I would say hang out in Wiltshire and then you'll have one. (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask you about, Maria, is I'm fascinated with the question of Atlantis and a lost civilization and the question of diffusion diffusion of technology and you know our, our written record or our story of civilization goes back to Sumer and Egypt at 4000 BC whatever started writing and that there might have been something before that and that we are like the inheritors of something that went before and fell what do you what do you, what is all your sort of learning and research what's your opinion on that sort of stuff yeah, well, if we look to some ancient maps like Pliny the Elder, uh, he actually puts Atlantis in the Atlantic Ocean, although the Atlantis is in many different places for, for many different people. But if we say, you know, it was uh, in Atlantis and we look to what Plato said in the description of the metropolis, the city there, it's a ringed uh, city, you know, it's a ringed environment. And again, when we look to different types of Earth energy, you have these massive rings. And I think uh, Atlantis was the first to utilize Earth energy concentric circles. They're actually called primary halos, if you want to use a technical term. And it was pointed out to me some years ago that if it, indeed it was in Atlantis, uh, that ancient continent, and it went down in a day, as, as Plato described, and you were a survivor and you were going across the Atlantic, the first place you would land at is Sligo Bay in Ireland. And when we look to the dating of these monuments in Sligo, they are far, far older than Cumbria, than Stonehenge, than Avebury. They're the most ancient. So some ancient technology came to Sligo thousands of years before the stone circles were built in the south of England, which are famous. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? With the standard model of history, why would people go all the way out of, you know, the pillars, the pillars of Hercules, the Straits of Gibraltar, and then go up to the to that coast of Ireland? Why wouldn't they go? Why wouldn't it move over land, you know, throughout Europe like that? It's a quandary. Exactly, exactly. It's not just coming uh, from the east to the west. It's coming the other way as well, and there's the evidence for that. So you have to question that whole model and saying it's not as simple as everybody is walking and migrating one way. That that just did not happen in the ancient world. And the archaeological evidence is there to, to say so. What do you make of, because uh, Plato in his, in his account in Timaeus and Critias talks about the ancient Athen- Athenians being at war with the Atlanteans and defeating them. Do you think that's sort of Plato doing a bit of Greek PR back in the day? Or do you think there was maybe a conflict? Like these guys were in the in the middle of the Atlantic dominating and they came across and the Athenians defeated them, the forebears of the Athenians. I think Plato was using his own knowledge that was disposable to him at any one point point in time. So you tend to interpret things for your own cultural identity. And a lot of people do that with, with ancient sites today. They project what mm. they think is on, on that. And I think uh, Plato was projecting that maybe because he got the whole story from, you know, uh, an Egyptian, uh, so to speak. Maybe he was just reinterpreting it to what he knew 
about you know ancient Greece, and it could have been another uh, type of war. I think a probably a war did occur, or there was some kind of conflict. But whether it was the ancient Greeks or not uh, is totally debatable. Yeah. Um, the thing that interests me particularly with Atlantis is it plays into the sort of universal flood myth that we hear about as well, whether it be Epic of Gilgamesh or nowhere or, well, anywhere in, around the world you want to go, there always seems to be some sort of flood myth. Do you think that maybe that's a, a cultural echo, a cultural memory of what happened with a lost civilization? Yes, it could uh, indeed be, and it could also be, you know, the uh, record in the Younger Dryas period, you know, where uh, in about, you know, 12,000 uh, years ago, there was a record of a, you know, big flood then that could have been uh, a part of the whole Atlantean uh, idea. I mean, also, I I think, you know, it's not just Atlantis, it's not just going to be Lemuria, there's going to be lots of long lost uh, civilizations if at 12,000 years ago, that the sea levels rose dramatically. So maybe we're, we were looking to one place like Atlantis, and there's going to be lots of other lost continents uh, as well. We know from uh, separating from the European mainland uh, 6,000 years ago, that's all, you know, we were part of Europe then. And we now have, you know, obviously the, the, the sea, the channel there separating us. But we know there's a whole continent called Doggerland there that's probably got ancient civilizations and evidence for that. Should the archaeology be able to be extracted from beneath the seas? I think there's lots of lost continents. Yeah. You wonder how many times we've had the, the Great Reset not not Uncle Klaus's Great Reset, but like a, a natural conflagration or mm. some sort of massive civilization re- reboot over our history because, like Graham Hancock says, things just keep getting older and our sort of idea of how old our species goes back seems to be going back 50,000 years every decade. Mm. And you just think, well, what were people just sitting on their hands for... 150,000 years doing nothing before they decided to invent ag- agriculture. It's like, it doesn't make sense. That's why I'm, I'm, I wonder if uh, there's maybe multiple times that we've got to a certain stage and then been sent, well, sent back to the Stone Age, as the saying goes. Yeah, I mean, even when we look to timing in this country and uh, you look beneath the Neolithic long barrows five and a half thousand years ago, there's evidence for Mesolithic ploughing. All archaeologists know that, but we are told the Mesolithic were hunter-gatherers. That's simply not true. There's the evidence in the landscape for that. And we've had recent research as well. I mean, the end of the megalithic period and the start of the Iron Age, for example, and the rise of the Druids, if you will, had suffered traumatic climate change. Bang, overnight, uh, the, the the climate plummeted by a degree. And that's really serious. That was literally overnight. And that's, again, in the archaeological record because you have peat bogs suddenly swamping uh, certain areas. And so I think our ancestors went through huge cl- climatic changes with the Younger Dryas, you know, 12,000 years ago. But then also around about, you know, 1,000 BC as well, things were beginning to change because, because of the climate. And, you know, here, 
here we are today, you know, listening to the same mantra of our own culture that there's there's climate change going on, some may say or disagree with today. Yeah, um, I just saw today Eric Klein's update sequel to 1177 BC is just being sent off now to the uh, editors or printers or whatever. And um, in his updated version, he talks a lot about climate uh, problems that were happening then, and it's nothing, you oh, know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all in, it's all in the record, and it's been known for quite quite some time. To be fair, I think we just have this picture that things just always stay the same in our modern sort of viewpoint. Nothing ever changes. It's just I think you know, when you wake up tomorrow, you'll have the same day that you had yesterday, and people don't know about the Roman Roman warm period or the medieval warm period or the Little Ice Age in the you know 17th 18th century they just think things will just keep going don't worry about it and we're we're so it's a bit hubristic i mean i mean exactly and um uh, you know part of me thinks it's uh, it's like a repeat until humanity learns from a certain situation it goes on to a repeat uh, a bit like you know in in, in part in past lives and in regression until you learn the actual soul lesson it gets repeated and it's repeated and and possibly there's something wrapped up in in humanity in in that regard but what we certainly do know is when the climate plummeted by a degree you could no longer grow food on the lowlands and so everybody headed for the hills and that's why you had the druid hill forts uh, although they're being recategorized today and called ceremonial uh, hill centers and not hill forts that was only when the romans came and they were fortifying them so you've got again different cultural changes over a different period of time but when you do have these uh, big events that happen it seems that the whole religious spirituality of the people changes it certainly did between the bronze age and the iron age for example how do, you, how do you mean? What was the, the big change spiritually uh, in that time period? Well, you no longer worship at a stone circle, for example. You would then go to a, a much higher ground, on elevated ground, to, to the top of a hill that was, um, you know, made into earthworks on, on the top. Um, and in the chalk landscape, they would have been crowning the hilltops in chalk white. It would look quite uh, spectacular. And they would create a different type of shrine and monument than would have been at the standing stone. Oh. below so everything changed uh, with, with with you know it's like suddenly saying in this moment in time we're no longer going to have uh, churches we're no longer going to do it like this we're going to do it like this oh. it was a huge leap and change and that hasn't happened since that era apart from the advent of christianity Wow, that's cool. That's just got me thinking about the Bible when it keeps saying, uh, talking about the high places, like all the temples, like the Babylonian temples and the temple of Jews, they're always at high places. And that's an interesting idea that maybe they weren't always at high places. This is, there was a reason for this. 
It was, and in, in, the, in the British Isles at least, and, and France alike, actually, ancient Gaul, as recorded by Caesar, uh, they did head for, for, for the hills and for high ground. It was practical because Birmingham was a swamp. Manchester was very swampy. The, the lands around Wiltshire became waterlogged. You couldn't do anything. Wow. Fascinating. Um, I don't know where to go. There's just so much. It's like I don't know whether to go to Templars or not. That I always that. go to Templars. No, I love the Knights Templars. I mean, um, we mm. I, I, right. Let me get your opinion on this: Knights Templars and Freemasonry. Is there a link or is there not a link? Well, I come from uh, decoding Earth energies. That's my kind of real understanding in the ancient world, uh, as well as skulls. And the way I see it is that it, at one time you had the Neolithic and the Bronze Age people, and the circle meant everything to them, everything. And, and the circle would be used in terms of earth energy. They'd look for circular earth energy patterns, and they placed the standing stones on, on the circles, and hence a stone circle, of course. And then when time went on, for example, with, 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 the, with the Druids, they would look for another type of, uh, of energy to make it sacred, the holiest of holies. And when it came to the Templars, for example, and the, the Masons that were constructing the churches at that time, they, would, they wouldn't look for the circle. That was no longer appropriate for, for their religious stance. They look for uh, earth currents forming a cross in the land, like, you know, crossing literally like that, one current going one way, maybe right. a bit of an angle going the other way, the geocross in the land, and they build and construct their churches above that because you can have all of the sacred geometry in the world that you like, all of the, the mathematics that are, that are pure and, and just with beautiful ratios and harmonics. But if you don't have the living earth energies beneath the ground reflecting that, it, will be, it won't have the life force uh, contained with, with it within a church. So it went from the circle to the geocross in the landscape with, with the Templars and, and the masons that was their design canon and everything then in the church became a huge meaning to a, a completely different culture when you compare it to the to the stone circles the windows would be placed on a particular type of earth current and uh, the, the the font for example and the communion rail and you'd have different types of grid systems integrated into uh, a church of the early medieval period. I'm guessing, um, like, I read a book once by Fulcanelli on Chart Cathedral, and this seemed to be one of the places in France that sort of encoded loads of this information and these sorts of principles. Is, it, is this sort of unique to a certain period of building where they sort of, they were really in tune with this sort of technique, this techers, this knowledge? Charles Cathedral, Oxford University, and Winchester, the first minster of Christianity, uh, all have one thing in common. They were a Druid core. 
C-O-R, and that means college. And so all of these buildings were preceding that uh, Christian construct were Druid core. And that was the first uh, foundation for, for a lot of the uh, Christian churches. Uh, and that's quite interesting. I mean, even, uh, like I said, Oxford University was an ancient, ancient uh, core. And Glastonbury had one uh, nearby because, you know, the Druids studied for up to 20 years uh, to be a learned, full, fully-fledged Druid. Okay, only 19 years, nine months and nine days left for me then. <laughs> I, I have to get some, I need to get some robes. Yeah, You're halfway there with your beard, Ben. <laughs> that's enough for the first degree. It never, never came. <laughs> it never came. It won't, won't even let you in the first degree. Shocking. I mean, the way I, I understand it, one of the last sort of holdouts for the Druids was Anglesey. Is that right? That, that's correct. You know, there was a lot, a lot of the uh, Druids were forced uh, up to up to Anglesey, which again has many Neolithic and Bronze Age uh, sites of uh, spectacular uh, Anglesey, and they were kind of pu- pushed up there. But then there was like a crossover, really, of Druidry to Christianity, and they were called the Chaldees. And the Chaldee means certain stranger, and it's thought that the certain strangers were those from the Middle East that came over, the, the disciples of, of Jesus, it's muted came to Glastonbury, for for example, mm. and the Chaldees learned from the Druids. So I think the, the fir- one of the first churches and, and several minsters that were created by the Chaldees were, in fact, under the Druid administration and consultation at that time. Wow. What about, what about the man himself and his uncle, Joe, Joseph of Arimathea? Do you think he may have made it here? Joseph Arimathea definitely made it uh, here. He was a, a tin trader, uh, uh, for sure. But you see, when you look at the sacred geometry of the first church built, allegedly, you know, under the direction of Joseph Arimathea, well, it's the same sacred geometry as Stonehenge. So now you're saying that there was a Druid core near uh, Stonehenge at Amesbury, according to the Welsh triads, uh, at least. And, and so I think Joseph Ramathia was learning from those that knew about the sacred geometry of Stonehenge because the two are identical, as uh, discovered by, you know, famous famous authors like uh, John Michelle and before preceding him, Frederick Blythe Bond, that excavated uh, Glastonbury Abbey and, and unearthed many, many strange features there. Wow, so you think the sort of dissolute, the, the, the knowledge passed the other way from, from the UK to people travelling from the East? That's interesting. Well, uh, John Michel points that out as well. Uh, actually, in one of his, you know, seminal books, uh, right. stating that you know it's not just that the root of the New Jerusalem and the root of the first church in Christendom at Glastonbury Abbey has its foundations in Stonehenge. Wow. What about Alexandria? That was sort of at this time period. That was sort of one of the main sort of hubs of learning. Do you think there's any sort of Druidic influence at Alexandria at this time period, around the time of Jesus? 
Well, Alex, uh, the, the uh, you know the library of uh, Alexandria was said to be a universal library, and a universal library means it has every single book of the world in it. And I don't think it probably had that. I, I think by universal library it meant it had a lot of teachings in it, and because the Druids did not write anything down they were bardic learning by you know word, word of mouth uh, uh, in effect then they probably went to the alexandrian uh, library to uh, practice their teachings to others because you know the 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 library wasn't just about you know reading manuscripts or scrolls or whatever was there it was a place where people debated they they had philosophical discussions and possibly arguments as well it was a place of learning and it was a hub so you can bet your bottom dollar that the druids were there just as much as the egyptians were coming over to stonehenge bringing them their beads and their wares so it's you know in the ancient world there was a lot of um exchange of ideas right so more like a like a, a melting pot of, of learning rather than um, i see our education system as being quite rigid and conformist and uh, this is what you need to learn and you need to learn it in this particular order in this particular time of your life whereas An- alexandria would be a more of a mishmash royal rumble style best argument best evidence wins <laughs> Well, well, I think it was a, a place of great learning, you know, where people went to. I mean, even the most, one of the most famous uh, astrologers, Claudius Ptolemy, who wrote Tetrabiblos, a very famous astrological text, still in print today from the second century AD. I mean, goodness, uh, it's, it's one of the most famous uh, books. He learned uh, astrology from that. Uh, that location in the Alexandrian Library. So, I mean, it, it, it was a place where you could go there for mathematics, astrology, geomancy, and probably medicine and a numerous other skills alike. Mm. Yeah, there's probably based on, was it the seven liberal arts of ancient Greece, or roughly you would have thought? Well, in all probability, uh, it had uh, you know so much going on there. It was it would have attracted all of the scholars of yeah. that known era. Um, there's a question. I have a listener. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> nearly smashed you in the face with. <laughs> I got a, a listener submission question from Kelly, who is a recent producer donator. So mm-hmm. I promised I would ask you this question. So this is from Kelly on the Discord. Can you ask Maria, I think it's a three-part question, so brace yourself, Maria. Can you ask Maria, how can we make our water better at home? Is an imploder good enough? And if so, how do you get or make an imploder? Sounds dangerous to me. Uh, I'd like to know that. (laughs) And what is an imploder? (laughs) Imploded water uh, is normally programmed in like a kind of spiral vortex coming down. I have one in in my home, actually, which I bought from the implosion, uh, you know, uh, company here in the British Isles. I think it's in the, the South Coast. But what we can do better for, for our water? Well, our water, as we know, has a lot of chemicals in it. And in water divine in terms, you, ha- you can decode the water through its colour. Pure, really healing water, for example, from Lord's fame uh, in France, is going to come up on a colour spectrum in downsable terms as white. 
violet is going to be very holy water, very sacred, very healing, and normal water is blue. So a very simple way of enhancing uh, your water at home is to get a lovely, beautiful shade of blue color. I mean, you could, you know, print it out on your printer or even get fabric. It, it's it's kind of sympathetic magic. So so you, you, so you get the, the color and then you place your water that you're going to drink above that. And then uh, because water has memory, uh, water will start to be imbued with that color. And even just by, you know, Emoto showed that just by being harmonic and saying, you know, beautiful words to your to your water, that, you know, that enhances it as well. So, so I think we can work with water on many, many different different levels, but color coding and, and old water divining law is probably easy to do and uh, and everybody can do it. You mentioned that water, certain water has different color. I don't, I didn't get that. You said like holy water is, is purple or something. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was totally lost on that bit. Yeah, no, uh, forgive me. It's probably I didn't explain it that well, so I'll explain well, it again. I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> no, no, so thank you for pointing out. Let's say you have a glass of water and you doused it with a color dial that represents the different frequencies of water. So um, I've got a pendulum now and I'm going over the water and it comes out white on the color dial. It will tell you the different colors and it comes out white. That means it's the holiest of holiest of waters, you know, Lord's fame. And if it doused to come out violet, then that's very, very holy water. If it comes out blue, that's that's average. That's that's good water. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. If it came out red, for example, it's got iron in it. If it comes out green, it's got copper traces uh, in it. And so you can decode water. Most of it is blue. So my point is... They forget blue fabric, or you get a piece of blue colored card, you know, from, I don't know, from a craft shop or somewhere, and you place the glass of water or a jug of water, ideally, over that blue color. Because the water has a memory, it will start to memorize that color blue, which is more harmonic than just your tap water. Wow. Blue coasters. Blue coasters, yeah. That's a good idea. There's a market there. Go to the Amish loot chest. <laughs> yeah. Get your official Amish Inquisition blue coasters. <laughs> yeah, they'll be there next week. <laughs> what I mean, does this apply? Because I, I remember hearing somewhere that we're like 70% water, us, us fleshy human type beings. So does this apply to like the, the water inside you as well? Absolutely. And a lot of my work with deep underground water, because as, as an esoteric water diviner, uh, I was always taught there are two types of water. Uh, geologists would disagree. But if we flow with the water divining law, then you have water that comes down from the sky, fills up the water tables and the aquifers. Of course it does. We see that every day of our lives in Great Britain. Uh, and that's yang water. That's uh, groundwater, as the water board would call it professionally. But then there's another source of water, very, very deep, a very deep aquifer. That is water that is born by Gaia, by rocks within 
her being and that water is the holiest of holiest and i predict and i've been saying this for 25 uh, years or more now that any rock planet can produce water so you could go to europa you could go to mars and a planet will produce water and when it's produced within the body of the the planet it produces a spiral pattern that's in water divine in terms. That's what I would doubt. That's what I would understand. Ah, it's a spiral pattern. Therefore, it's this this deep, uh, deep water. And when we interact with that type of deep water, which the ancients found, and it marked the esoteric center of most ancient sites worldwide. And when you go into that type of energy field, your water, your body water, can interact with that water as well. It's like an energy field. It's like a kind of cleansing uh, if you will your your deep your body water rather with, with the deep water so it's it's you can work work with ancient sites in, in that style wow that's cool you just got me thinking about you mentioned other ancient sites have you ever been to the temple mount and done a bit of dowsing there uh what in israel mm, yeah because well, i mean it's no, like the, it's like the just because it, it's like the center of like the three big world religions current today. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're sort of modern <laughs> in sort of the grand scheme of things. They've only been around a couple of thousand years or young upstarts, 1500 years in some cases. But I just wondered maybe if there's something there, something at, at that, that mountain deep underground, some sort of Africa, Africa <laughs> aquifer which has led, you know, these three major religions to sort of fight over that territory since day dot. Yeah, and, and you find with, with with spiritual leaders, you know, like like Moses and, and like Isaac, they find springs. It's it's in their uh, history as well. It's intimately associated uh, with water. The Vatican, for example, intimately associated with lots and lots of springs. And, and as many uh, uh, druids, such as the British Druid Order, would say about the Vatican, you get three orders of druids: the Bards, the Ovates, or Vats as they used to be called, and, and Druids. That's the three grades, uh, if you will. And the Vats, main oracle centre, their prophecy hill was the Vatican. And that was taken uh, from from the ancient uh, Druids. So we see these places on high as being, uh, you know, associated with prophecies, with springs, with with water uh, coming through, because it's the water of life at the end of the day. So I hope that's helped... Um, answer kelly's question oh she's very she's in the chat now actually said thank you very much yeah she sent you a green heart a green heart does that mean she's irish a green heart (laughs) i don't know she's she's from good celtic stock well (laughs) maria we've done over an hour already and uh, you know we didn't talk about astrology or much esoterica it's like where does the time go i know is there anything you want to say before we go? Like what what you've got coming up? Anything you need to tell people about trips and whatnot? Yeah, well, what I've got coming up is uh, my first uh, uh, conference at Avebury on September the 3rd and the 4th. I've got some great keynote, a great keynote speaker, uh, Professor Robert Temple, speaking about plasma, your plasma cell. And the plasma of the universe. I've got Chris O'Kane as well, who did all of the 
um, calculations of the astronomy for Robert Bavell and Graham Hancock. Cool. I've got him as well. Yeah, but he's really good. And I've got Daniel Doherty of the sacred, the, the best sacred geometrist uh, in the UK as well. He's going to be with me. And I've got Hank Viz, who's the Archdruid of Avery. And we'll be doing on Thursday, on the Saturday, uh, talks and lectures at Avery. And the second day is coming around the stones with me, Hank, seeing things through the eyes of sacred geometry with Daniel Doherty and uh, with Hank Viz, Arch druid and we have dowsing and earth energies with little old me and so yes so that's an event coming up Uh, apart from that my other events have actually booked up but um that one is uh you know is is out there and i'd like to meet anybody that's on this radio show podcast rather that comes out uh to to avery it should be a good weekend very informal and very warm yeah, that's good. Sounds cool. I mean, the uh, w- when you mentioned plasma, David, is it David Temple? Did you say the uh, Robert, Robert, Robert Temple? Robert Temple. I'm, one of the things that I really want to look into is this picture of a man, and he's like he's got his arms up like that. Can you see? I'm small in the screen, and the legs mirror it, and it sort of looks like um, it's found in ancient sites everywhere, and it sort of looks like a plasma discharge in the atmosphere. Mm. Like these ancient guys were encoding this figure that looks like a stick man doing this when it's actually something they saw in the sky as like a, mm. a possible bad omen and stuff. Maybe he's going to talk about that, Maria. Yeah, well, he man. Uh, he's definitely going to be talking about the plasma self and how plasma has consciousness. And there's two plasma belts uh, between the Earth and the moon. And he's going to be talking about that as, as well. So it should be uh, a really informative, but like I say, informal and warm. Because what I want to do with this conference is not to have the audience and the speakers, but to be more one, you know, to more interaction with, uh, with the two. So there isn't that separation. So that's why I keep uh, saying it. I want it to be warm and you know welcoming uh to, to everybody and fun and informative as well sounds great check it out links in the show notes as ever for all maria's stuff the uh and the courses as well from the esoteric college check them out it's good fun learn something while you're doing it absolutely right we'll sign off for uh, this part thanks for joining us again maria yeah thanks maria that was great mm-hmm. we'll You're um welcome. we'll catch you on the flip side just stay on on the line for us for two minutes while we play ourselves out sure. and uh you lot in podcast land we'll be back in 10 15 minutes for part two okay take care bye bye, bye. right then we're back the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with Maria Wheatley from the Esoteric College and the Avebury Experience. Links in the show notes for that. Yeah, very good. It was very good. Enjoyed it. A fist away, Ben. I am. I'm just speaking very. There we go. That's softly. a fist. Just move your chair forward rather than craning your neck like a, a tyrannosaur. Move your chair forward. Jeez Louise, you're even closer to your, your beautiful face close to the camera. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. There's um, lots we didn't cover, like astrology. Mm-hmm. and She's coming back, though, isn't she? Hopefully. What's the next phase of Stonehenge? Because I know there was like big gaps of thousands of years. We might just be in a gap now, and then they're going to put a you know a roof on it or something. <laughs> yeah, Perspex. Perspex, fair. definitely, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. Yeah, maybe they could just might turn into a landfill. 
God. Or build a build a tunnel underneath it, put a road in. <sighs> oh, weren't they planning on doing something, yeah. building a road underneath it? A tunnel, wasn't there? Underneath. Oh, crazy. Fucking crazy, aren't they? Hyperloop. Boris Johnson, Hyperloop. <laughs> build, Don't get in build it. Build back better, eh? Billo? Mm, build back better. <laughs> build back butter. Butter. Build back butter. Mm. <laughs> right, we're descending into chaos. We haven't even started. Let's do some. Should we do some headlines? Mm. Already? Capital letters. A big news story. Headlines of the week. <laughs> Camper awakes to knife-carrying killer crab at tent. Lucky to be alive. Wow. That, so, hang on. Let's unravel this. Was the killer crab lucky to be alive? <laughs> <laughs> he nearly ended up being sapper, I think. Right. Yeah, it was on TikTok. Some guy, you know, he heard something tapping on his tent and he looked outside and uh, a crab was trying to off with this steak knife. What is the um, the stealth bomber social media site in the middle of that? <laughs> Oh, the white. I don't know what yeah. is. is that the B? B. B2? The B2. B2, yeah. B2 stealth bomb. Oh, oh, hang on. No, it might be an F117. No, don't be daft. It's far the, too wide. The sim- I, think, I think a B2 is a slightly different oh, silhouette. Gosh. Can you take the nerdy conversation outside, please? Oh, sorry. All right, let's move on. What have we got next? Man's genitals started whistling when lung collapsed and air escaped through his scrotum. I have questions. <laughs> yeah? How how did the air escape through his scrotum? Was it already pierced? Doctors had oh, to yes. operate after a man went to A&E with whistling genitals <laughs> due to a rare condition called pneumoscrotum. <laughs> it's actually a thing. This is this is it not is this. now first. Oh, is it the first oh, case? Right, okay. The unusual ailment <laughs> was due to an excess of air building up in his body, which was escaping via an open wound on his testicles. Oh. An examination found that both the elderly man's lungs had collapsed, oh. and he had a lot of air circulating within his chest which is likely to have been what caused his complaint. Medics described what happened in the American Journal of Case Reports, saying they believed it to be the first case of its kind. Uh, is is this a man of advanced years walking around with two collapsed lungs? Apparently so, whistling. No one says what the tune was. <laughs> yeah, these are the things we need to know. Yeah. Why didn't anyone transcribe it could have been a song for the ages. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. GLP's Ted Cruz feuds with Elmo over kids getting COVID-19 vaccines. What does GOP stand for? I've seen it. It's the Republican Party. Well, ours not in it, is it? No. But um, um, what's the Democratic version? The DNC? Democratic National Congress. Congress, DNC, yeah. So the GLP, I think, is the equivalent for the Republicans. Do you want to know what it stands for? Answers on a postcard. We don't need to know now. Well, we can make our own stuff up. GOP, General Opposition. Gang of. Grand old party. Grand old party. There you are. There's the Republican elephant. 
Grand Old Party. So that's what the GOP stands for, the Grand Old Party. Oh, God. Um, gosh, I'm getting lost. Go back to OBS. Here we are. Why is the camper there? <laughs> Killer crab. Oh. Oh, here we are. Crack you up in there. I must, have, I must have pressed a hotkey. <laughs> Typing know. in. Shit, I did. Bainy fingers. Oh. Right, um, yeah, we've got... This was about um, a controversial Sesame Street thing going on this week. Did you see it? I did not see Sesame Street Elmo gets a vaccine, doesn't he? Yep. Now Daddy has super-duper bandages just like Elmo. <laughs> you were super-duper today getting your COVID vaccine, Elmo. Yeah, there was a little pinch, but it was okay. Elmo was really glad to have Daddy and baby David there with him. Baby David, uh, where are you? I had a lot of questions about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. Was it safe? Was it the right decision? I talked to our pediatrician so I could make the right choice. <laughs> I learned that Elmo getting vaccinated is the best way to keep himself, our friends, neighbors, and everyone else healthy and enjoying the things they love. Oh, Daddy! Oh, Elmo and baby David have a question. Oh. Can we have a hug? Oh, come here, <laughs> son. Oh, Elmo loves you, Daddy. I love you, too. It's okay to... I'm pretty sure this voiceover is Rochelle Wilinski. Sounds like her. She's the head of the CDC, Centers for Disease Control. have questions about COVID vaccines for your kids. Get the latest facts by speaking to your pediatrician or healthcare provider. So that was posted on uh, Sesame Street's official YouTube channel and uh, all their social media. Was it in an episode or was it an extra little... It was a separate little video posted to their feeds. I think Elmo's voice has changed from what I remember. Since he got the jab. <laughs> wow. Well. We don't want to get banned off. But... No. Muppet gets injected needlessly. <laughs> Should we see the headlines? I can write the headline now. <laughs> do we uh, do we have to vaccinate all our stuffed toys? What about Annabelle? <laughs> she, she's wandering around. She ain't had no she's jab. She's spawn of Satan. <laughs> I don't need no vaccine. No, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure Elmo doesn't. But they're, they're rampant for it over there. And it'll be three months or six months next. Uh, it was the, uh, I think it was the mayor of New York was asked about making it mandatory for schools. Is and that- it's an open question. So New York State may be making the magic jewels uh, mandatory for school if you want your kids to go to public school. Wow. Yeah. Who's the New York mayor? Is it Bill the thingy? It's not de Blasio, no. Uh, I don't know any other names. It's, um, I can't remember what he's called. Steve? Yeah, probably. Babysitter. Steve Babysitter. Steve the Babysitter. Okay. You usually find him with a baseball bat with barbed wire wrapped around it. Wow. That's, uh, Doesn't hold bat. No. Speaks softly and carries a barbed bat. <laughs> Moving on. Gimp man is back. Uh, yes. <laughs> latex, <laughs> latex clad weirdo terrifies 19 year old teaching assistant and her boyfriend in late night Somerset village encounter. Would you like to hear more? Wow. Well, yes. Yeah. A latex, uh, can't talk. Fuck. A latex clad weirdo terrified a 19-year-old and her boyfriend in a late-night encounter in their Somerset village prompting fears that Gimp Man is back. Kira Elston was walking home in the village of Yatton at around 1am on Sunday, June the 26th, 
when her boyfriend, Lewis Webb, noticed a masked man dressed in a gimp suit in the road. The pair were left terrified by the creepy occurrence and ran away to get away from the bizarre man, who Kira says looked proud with his arms outstretched. <laughs> the spooky sighting has prompted fears it is the same gimp man who has terrorised sleepy villages in the West Country over the last few years. There have been suspected sightings of the man in the nearby village of Claverham uh, last year and 2019, with police searches for the person responsible coming up empty, with two people who were arrested and later released without being charged. One person who was targeted in July 2019 even managed to get a picture of him. Mm. Mm. Showing him dressed in an all-black latex suit with a mask covering his entire face. How did you know it's a man, for a start? How dare you assume the gimp's gender? Absolutely. How do you? You can't call someone a weirdo. It's, <laughs> it's obviously a man. Look at his shoulders. He's, his frame. He's dressed for rain, isn't he? <laughs> rain of what? <laughs> rain. Terry. Yeah. <laughs> of semen. He's. Uh, or they are. Um, I don't know. I mean, what was he doing? Just being in the road? Is that? Is it illegal to be in a gimp suit in the street at one a.m.? Well, I think if you're asking people, if yeah, if you're menacing oh, is he, the neighbour, is he menacing or was he just? Well, look at him. He's just walking past a car. I'm minding my own business in my gimp suit. <laughs> well, minding my business. Yeah. Well, the latest sighting left Kira, who works as teaching assistant, terrified and really shaken up. It was the most terrifying experience of my life, she told the Daily Star. I've got the image in my head of him walking towards me and staring. I dread to think what would have happened if I'd been on my own. I'm really still really shook up. There's no one questioning why he's phasing out of existence from his right leg. <laughs> <laughs> Boyfriend Lewis was similarly worried. As we were talking, I looked at the roundabout as I thought I had seen something. Then in the pitch black was this bloke in full latex gimp suit walking towards us out of nowhere. He clearly knew that we were there, so I just told Kira to run. And we said, run, go, now! <laughs> And we sprinted, Get off the road. <laughs> sprinted down the alleyway and back to the house and made sure the guy wasn't chasing us. I think we were lucky as I was there with her, but wouldn't want to know what would have happened if a younger girl was out of her own at night, whatever. Anyway, a sportsman for Haven Sunset Police said the man had not been found after searches by officers. Police were called just after 1am on Saturday the 26th of June by a woman reporting seeing a man dressed in a black latex bodysuit and wearing a mask on Yatton High Street near the Claverham Road roundabout, he said. She described him as more than six feet tall and slim and said the incident had caused her alarm and distress. <sighs> officers carried out a search of the area but found no trace of the man. Neighbourhood officers are following up on the incident and carrying out extra patrols. We're keeping an open mind as to whether the report is linked to previous incidents in which a similarly dressed man, i.e. gimpy, <laughs> caused alarm to people in the Claverham and Yalton areas. There have been more than 15 sightings of the man since 2018, with the main hotspot being the neighbourhood villages of Claverham and Yatton between Bristol and Western-Supermare. The last reported incident came in September last year when a couple who were watching TV spotted a masked man lying in their garden, watching them through the French doors. Lying in the garden? Fucking the earth. Just humping the, oh, the lawn. Now, see, that, that, that is... <laughs> That is creepy, isn't it? Yeah, until you said that, I was all yeah. live and let live, you know. It's fine. On that occasion, the person responsible fled after the homeowner chased him away. Get away, you gib! 
While police were called after the incident were unable to locate the man. It came after a break of more than two years, with previous sightings starting in November 18 and then in July 19. Following COVID, yeah. <laughs> Bit, yeah, no. <laughs> no, barely. <laughs> Following a police search in 2019 using helicopters and sniffer dogs. What? What? Gimp sniffers. Say what? Yeah, they just held up like a, a piece of latex. Follow the gimp. Find the gimp. Track him down. Two men aged 28 and 34 were arrested on suspicion of indecency <laughs> offences. However, due to insufficient evidence, they were released. The last reported incident was in July 2019 when a person in a black latex bodysuit and mask touching his groin ah. reportedly approached a young woman on the streets. There you go. Take it too far. Mm. <laughs> Officers said they were keeping an open mind as to whether the latest reported incident and the uh, July incident are linked a woman who asked not to be named told the BBC I've got older children and even my kids are saying it's the gimp man again oh the gimpy gent gimpy mcgimp yeah have we come round the horn <laughs> we have we've crossed the uh, the rubicon okay good well I mean I don't really know what to make of gimpy mcgimp I mean Obviously, he wasn't breastfed, was he? <laughs> oh, I've got a child. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Bottle fed all the way. That's it. Now obsessed with gimpiness. Mm. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Anna's got a point. Maybe he's trapped. He's trapped in the gimp suit and yeah. he's just asking for talc. That's it. Help me. What can I do? I'm stuck in my gimp suit. I've been wearing it since try 2017. <laughs> I'm late for a very important meeting. (laughs) So long, gay boys. (laughs) Oh, Oh dear. Celebrity death match, Gimp Man versus Purple Aki. Who's Purple Aki? Purple Aki is the one who wants to feel your muscles, isn't he? Uh, Yeah, a local... You're not from Liverpool? Northwest. Oh, is it like Toxic Terry? Mm. Oh, yeah. Or Keith? And he basically, he, he he was well known and he used to ask you to come and feel your muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Hang around outside gyms. Fuck. Yeah. Your, mus- your muscles. Yeah. Um, we've got a synchronicity in the chat. Look at the last two comments. Oh, uh, yeah. Perhaps he needed to help getting out of the suit. He might be stuck. Maybe Gimp is out looking for some talc to aid in removal of the Gimp suit. It's a synchronicity of uh, thought energies there. Yeah, they're on two platforms Maybe they're as well. On the same ley line. Mm. Same earth energies coursing throughout their auras. Yeah. The purple waters. Mm. Purple water. That's, is that good water or bad water? Yeah, it's good water. Is that not holy water? Slightly less holy than holiest of waters. Mm. So, so Ribena, you're on to a winner. What about Vimto? Well, I'd argue that's even purpler. What about cheeky Vimto? I think that's too much. It's not water, man. Well, I suppose there's water in it. Depends how you make it, doesn't it? Mm. What if you use crepe paper to turn your water different colours? Do you do that in primary school? No. What's this experiment? You know know, crepe paper? Crepe paper? It's crepe, crepe. It's like weird, weird paper. You had it in school. You must, you must have had crepe paper. I can in remember, school. I remember him doing it on a heart attack. Yeah, and he, well, 
you put it in water, it turns the water whatever colour the paper is because all the ink leaches out of it. Get out of town. It's true. True story. Look it up. Google it, bitches. Right. Housekeeping. In place. Housekeeping. Do it. Look it up. a value for value podcast if you find this podcast valuable please consider returning some value there's a myriad of ways of dropping your eavesdropping ways of becoming a producer of the show and my favorite as ever is always word of mouth sharing the message mm. growing our reach tapping people in spread it spread it like a knife through hot butter mm. on your butox mmm Spread the filth. Keep wow. Shit show showing. On the road. Join the Discord. That's my favourite. That's where everything happens on the Discord. Have you uh, have you got any fish news, uh, Matthew, on the Discord? <clears throat> well, um, I attempted... The problem is about the Discord is you, we can't... Because we don't pay for it. Um, uh, you can't upload anything of you know with any kind of... Size value. really, oh right, okay, or value, <laughs> and um, I have look, you know, I had I had a stickleback recently making a nest, yeah, and I filmed it like it's small, it's a small blue blur guarding its nest, and apparently what it does is it produces mucus in its kidneys and spits it out over uh, a small pile of algae, twigs, and grass. Gross. <laughs> no, you said grass. Yeah, seen it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. And and what's this stickleback's name? Because I was Gary, telling my I wife think. about your fish the other day. And uh, Gary. we decided they should have names. Well, the, the, Both names, so forename and surname for each one. Well, one was called Gary. I think it's just called Gary Stickleback. Okay, yeah, it's a family um, resemblance. <laughs> so there was um, there's one male, and then there's, there's supposed to be five females. I think we got six. Can't, okay. I can only see one. I've only ever seen one female. Well, they all look the same, I suppose. Those ones are brown and, and speckly. And yeah, the male, tits. Yeah, and the, and the male has got like, is like blue with like a red gullet. Right. Um, and like it, a robin. And it just, it basically, what they, they just chase the other fish, basically, and, and bite the tails <laughs> off, and then they slowly drown. What? <laughs> that's what happens, yeah. That's brutal. And that's, how, that's thunder, Thunderdome. That is, you know, nature at play. Sod the nest building. I want to see some deathmatch action. Well, they've stopped killing them now. So basically, I, when I got them, they said what will happen is they'll they'll get all the weak and injured ones, <laughs> and then um, so they've stopped. I've stopped finding dead fish now um, right. for the last few weeks, and they're just fine. All chasing around, basically. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, and evidence. they have. Um, they swim weird as well, sticklebacks. They kind of hover and spin their... Uh, Out of the water? Oh. No, like in the water. It's weird. <laughs> Above the surface. You said they hover? In the water, yeah. Kind of got, like spin the... Just vibrate the Yeah, the they flappers. spin their side flippers <laughs> and stay in the same place and then they dart off. Open flaps. Yeah, basically. Go. Um, quite interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, much meat, <laughs> much meat off them. No, so what's a, what's about like five about inches, seven inches? <laughs> so probably about this big. Yeah, a good five <laughs> inches of bulk. Yeah, 
No, so it's neat. They're about two inches, I'd say. 50 mil. Millet for the millennials. Yeah. How many cubits is that? <laughs> <laughs> a cubit. That's what it is, from your elbow to the end of your uh, index the pointer. Finger. Was the cubit? Is it different in different people? Don't answer that. Cause it's gonna no, be because a, the same way a foot is a foot, it's averages, isn't it? And I think a roll cubit was <laughs> to the end of your middle finger. Okay. Your elbow to the end of your middle finger. Fuck you, metric system! <laughs> Fuck you! It's the roll cubit! I think. Don't quote me on that. Wow. Uh, my favourite way is to uh, buy <laughs> merchandise from the Amish Loot Chest. Um, yeah. Links in the... Uh, You've got some else places. now. Links in the show notes there. Look, got a couple of examples here. There's the Bacon Nuts t-shirt that's mm. newly released. And we've got the mugs mm-hmm. with the giant <laughs> testicles. Imagine taking that to the office. And uh, that's it. That's all I've got. Mm. But you've got the literally communist hoodies and the... Current grape. Current grape t-shirt. Imagine just having that on your Zoom call, Oof. just wearing it. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. You'd own that shit. Send us uh, news articles, timestamped. Preferably, please, on the time Discord. Timestamp a news article. Uh, videos. Videos, videos yeah, time. news article, video. Come on, get 21st yeah, we've got century. Threads. We've got threads in the Discord for video clips and, mm. and news articles. Guest suggestions. Uh, show artwork yeah we got a late submission here from Lee we have new show artwork every week and Lee drops us this one off oh it's nice something's on fire is it my my hands (laughs) my hands are on fire what's that what's going on there it's like a is this from his personal stash of tarot cards or something there's people in that globe. Are element, are they elements? I don't know what the green thing is. The big conspire was around, so maybe you can tell us. There is four of them, so I'm guessing that's earth, fire, fire oh, water. The earth, four yeah. elements encased in the globe in the palm of God's hands. It's very nice. I, I like He's got that. Six fingers. I oh, know. Wait. <laughs> it's good. I yeah, like it's that. good. I like the font uh, that Maria's name is in. Mm, yeah, well, is, but tell you what, good. when it comes to fonts, there is only one guy uh, who kills it with fonts. The font of all knowledge. This is my piece. God, oh, you love putting that weird filter, filter on. <laughs> makes everyone look terrifying. <laughs> it's like cartoony. I'm cartoonifying. Okay. Uh, think it's terrifying. like a cartoon. Is that an Ouroboros? Oh, thank you for noticing. Is yes. that why you said Ouroboros earlier? <laughs> I put Ouroboros in the moon. Obviously. Well, where where else would it be? Mm. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> what? I don't think she's that tall in real life. <laughs> she's Nephilim. <laughs> no, it's good. I like Lee's artwork. Should we use yeah. that for the... Uh... Yes. For the podcast artwork. We should. I, I, mm. I like them both this week. Wow. Never mind. It's not often that Phil gets... Uh... Get to put it on, is it? Unless nobody else does it. Apocalypse Phil's apocalypse artwork is very emotive. Very emotive. Every week. <laughs> apocalyptic artwork. Fucking what can I say? I got hairy legs. I like like making people look weird. Um send us memes for Instagram on Discord as well. You can also email us at the Amish Inquisition at gmail.com. 
Uh, Focus Chi requests. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a thread in the Discord channel for Focus Chi. If you're uh, going through a particularly sticky period in your life, something's gone amiss. Mm. Or maybe you're just looking for inspiration for something. Maybe you've got a, a paper, you've got a big paper due, and you need some help focusing your uh, attention. A broadsheet. Yeah, maybe you're suffering from lack of chi in the form of a health condition, and you wish us to... Focus our chi as a community in your direction for your given aim. Pop a request in the Discord server or email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com and we will implement that. And it's 100% effective. Never mm. fails. Hasn't failed once. No. Yet. Don't jinx it. No. Yeah. Do you want to be the first failure? <laughs> Let us know. Just send yeah. us an email. Mm. <laughs> uh, you can buy us a coffee now. Yes. Yeah, We've got we, a buyer's a coffee. We had a coffee this week. What oh, did yes. you go for? Yeah. We've got Skinny a, latte, oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> we got a, a... Yeah, Kelly Anna on YouTube bought us a coffee this week. Thank you very much. And uh, I've got a... She sent us a message with the coffee. <laughs> and it was... Stop making your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was ended with a green heart. Does you think that means she's Irish? I think she's Irish purely because... She said so she's, earlier. Yeah, and she's the oh, same she, Kellyanna on that's yes. been messaging on the chat. Northern Irish, do you think, or Southern Irish? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I wouldn't like to say. Have a guess. Let me oh, know. I'm middle, asking. I've got to read Irish. the message. All right, go on then. Northern or Southern? Uh, Cork, I'm going to go for. Okay, uh, Rookie. Absolutely love your knowledge. Oh, no. You banter and you guess. <laughs> Especially interested in the occult content you do. Ultimately, love all your content. Thank you, Kelly. Well, no more coffees then. Uh, <laughs> well done, Phil. That was... Uh, Claire, County Claire, see? Where's that? Is that Southern, Southern Ireland? Yeah. Southern. Oh, no, there we are. Nailed, nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly, that was actually supposed to be a Southern accent, not a Northern accent. Fuck, it's nothing like a Northern... She's the one, love. Absolutely love your knowledge, your banter and your guests. <laughs> Especially interested in the occult content you do. Ultimately, love all your content, Kelly. That would have been Belfast. Jesus. <laughs> Worlds apart, man. Nailed it. <laughs> that was the absolute worst. Patreon's ready now. You can uh, do us a Patreon. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Did you put an account on it? Yeah, I didn't have to do it. I just had to put my name in. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought you needed the account details. No, I just had to put my name. Oh? I just had to put my name on it. Do it. Oh, Bob. I'll just put it the mother of madness. So we have Patreon now. Yeah. I need to put yeah. that in the, in my, all my links then. Thought, yeah. There's no tiers or anything. It's uh, just minimum payment. 10, you don't 000. get you don't get you don't get anything for it. But it's nope. it's value for value. So you can give us a quid or uh, a fiver or ten million two. pounds a month. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's up yeah. to you. Whatever you think the show's worth to you, that's the idea. It's value for value. Yeah. I mean, if anyone can think of a good idea that we can put us for tiers, mm. I have no space in my head to think of tiers to put on the Patreon, but if anyone out there has, slip it in the Discord, and uh, I'll, uh, we'll massage it. M- massage it. <laughs> I'll massage it. <laughs> See if it lights my fire. Christ. <laughs> What's up here? You're uh, cringing internally. <laughs> you look like you're sucking on lemon. 
It's just sucking on your creamy hamstrings. You look like you've got air escaping for you, scrotum. Have we done everything? Birthdays? You got a birthday coming I've out? I've got a birthday request. That's what have you got a birthday request from, for? Uh, Joe is his birthday today. What? Uh, what? Today, yeah. Happy birthday, Hugh James. Happy birthday. Uh, I can't even find it. It's been that long since someone's actually... Well, it's, it's been exactly a year since his last one. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Hugh Janus. Mm-hmm. Fucking vegan. Happy mm. birthday. All right, happy birthday, Joe. Right, are we uh, on to the last one now? I don't know. Um, I think so, yeah. Okay. Just What's the best way of becoming a producer? Uh, toss us a coin. Toss a coin. Absolutely. Do it for the lads. 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 Yeah, because oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you give us, uh, go to armistinguisition.com, you'll find the PayPal button there, and you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, and donations at a level of £50 or over will grant you the rank, the status, the cachet, the degree, the social standing of being an executive producer of the Arms Inquisition for that episode. Wow. I mean, yes. just wow. Yeah. Only you guys out there can save Popland. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know... I mean, I know we're not the biggest podcast in the world, but what? <laughs> even like the number one philosophy podcast in Bulgaria needs your help and your support. <laughs> Absolutely. Look at that. Finally, Finally. that Tanner Campbell's been on our ass. <laughs> New. Look where uh, Russell Brand oh, is. Shit, yeah. yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Russell Brandy poo. He was in that <laughs> film uh, I saw today. Asshole today. Minions. <laughs> Minions. I think it's about... Um, Was he? Yeah, chemistry or something. Chemistry, bitch. No? Fell asleep. He's been downloading us in Bulgaria. Who do we know? I don't know. They fell oh, out of the room you. then. Join the Discord. And find Bulgarians. out. Where is Bulgaria? Um, Uncle Bulgaria. Is he not around like the Mediterranean? Yeah, it's doesn't Italy does Italy border Bulgaria? No, it's Croatia, isn't it? It's that way, isn't it? I think it's it might be one after further Croatia. east. Further east, the Near Maybe. East. Sofia, Sofia's capital. Is it Bulgaria? Is it yeah, Sofia, Sofia, right? Sofia, yeah. Right, yeah. Yep. Uh, Bucharest isn't Bucharest in Bulgaria? No, Hungary. Hungary, isn't it? It's the capital oh. of Hungary, isn't it? Um, I- that's Budapest. Who knows? That's Budapest. Oh, right. Then. I know. I don't know where Budapest is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's further than Scarborough, basically. Suck it, geography. <laughs> yeah. Ah. All right. Shall we uh, thank the producers for episode, what is it? Two, three, eight. Okay. Let's see who we've got. It's time. It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. We've got uh, Kelly Anna. Lee, Helen, Nick, Slicko, and Joe. Thank you. You're so amazing in your love. They are. Yes. So amazing in their. Mmm. Build that banner. Literally. The best mate. Because I'm literally a communist. 
the dwarf, the carrot, the grape, the homophobe, the wind, the asthma, the crab, the number 11, the blind man, the fallen on the horizon, the cripple and the mother of the from hell. The That's for your support for the week. Making this possible, sending your stories in. Not lots. Quite a lot to go through. All good. You know, I would absolutely love a cease and desist from Phil Schofield. <laughs> if anyone can make it happen. <laughs> cease and desist doing what? It'd be amazing. Using his, his voiceover. His IP. Yeah. That's some of his best work. Mm, probably is, to be fair. Yeah, we haven't had any good morning. Uh, not good morning, what's it called? Cease and desist. No, the show he does this morning. Oh, this morning, yeah. This morning, clips ranges, haven't we? No. no. Putin is Hitler. Probably why. Too busy stoking up World War Three, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Is it their fault? I'm sure it's Holly and Phil's fault. We heard it here They first. gave him a big fat shot in the ass and... And the whole hell broke loose. Wow, shit. I mean, you don't hear that in the news, do you? But... Well, he does say that, I mean... Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Pride Month's over. Thank- so long, gay boys! Um, you have your own tips. You had your own tips for Pride, didn't you? Did, did I? Hmm? All you need to do with the dessert, oh. dessert spoon is put it in a bowl of warm water as well before you shove it up your ass. And also... Open your legs! Wider! Oh, very good. Yeah, that's a good... <clears throat> How did you... Open your legs wider! <laughs> How did you remember to clip that? Oh, he has his ways, doesn't he? Yeah. Does he think... Calm he, down. What? You just think, ooh, that'll make a good sound bite. Always listening. Mm. You're not, never safe. Well, shout out to all our LGBTQIA plus listeners out there in Plopland. <laughs> Happy Pride. Well, it's done now. They've all been abandoned by the corporations, haven't they? They'll instantly remove their pride flags, their virtual signals. I think that does tend to happen. They, they yeah. move it off the Twitter icon and whatnot. I like the way that they don't put it on their, uh, the parts of the company that are like in the Middle East and stuff, places that are more conservative. No, yeah. Yeah, it's bad for business. Yeah, yeah. It's, such, it's so, so shallow. It's so shallow and people fucking lap it up. There was a tweet, there was a like a picture someone put up and I can't remember which corporation it was. So I'm using this as an example, it's not true. But say it was Sony. So it would have, you know, Sony UK, Sony, depending which IP, if you use a VPN. Mm. Uh-huh. And if you use your VPN from the UK, you get the Sony with the pride flag behind it or from the USA or whatever. You go to Saudi Arabia and it's just standard. It's Sony. Same with China. Yeah. You know. Cynical, yes. but you know, well, it is. It is cynical because all they're interested in is making money for shareholders. At the end of the day, mm. they call and, it the uh, pink pound, I believe, still a pink pound. The pink pound, mm. okay, the, the money spent by the um, homosexual community. Sink the pink. I think that's something else. Down the brown. That's I new, have no comment. Newcastle brown. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle brown. When was the last time you had a bottle of Newcastle Brown Ale? Was it in the warehouse? Yes. I think I've had <laughs> one bottle of Newcastle Brain, brain Ale. <laughs> Newcastle Brain. Newcastle, Newcastle Brain Ale. More pussy. <laughs> Smashing. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. No, it stunk. It used to stink. I remember the smell. Of brown ale? Yeah. Was it awful? I, I remember, remember it vividly from my childhood. Oh, right, okay. Smell of Newcastle brown ale. It was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you grew up in a coal mine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I've got this great clip uh, just before we uh, skip Pride. I've got this uh, great little meme that was going around from uh, our, our mate Brandon. Biden, K. Bryden. Robert Bryden? Marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Oh, it's from the 80s. I'm gay. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. I'm gay. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. I'm gay. I think that clip's been edited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they just change the views depending on what way the wind's blowing at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. What polls? Your poll. What polls? What polls better? A poll volta. We just got to focus groups, don't they? And that's how all decisions are made <laughs> about what they support and what they don't. Will this fly with the electorate? Let's go to a focus group with the cross section of our main voters. And that's what happens, isn't it? I don't know. Yes, that's what know. happens. I don't even know if our they politics. take that much notice. <laughs> I don't think they take that much notice, really. Of what the electorate <laughs> wants. <laughs> no, no, maybe I'm wrong. I think they do. I think they do. Look, you're going to vote for us or the other guy. It's like, you don't... It's we don't have system. to do that much. Most people vote negatively. Yes. You vote, I don't want that guy getting in, mm. so I'll vote for this guy. They don't vote for something or for someone. Do you not just vote for the person with the coolest sounding name? Yeah. Kira Stanama. She knows she has a screw me. I can blame. I like your bum on down. Yes. In trouble, isn't he? They reckon he's gonna he might be getting fined. Oh, is he actually gonna get oh, he's, got to, he's got to he's, he's got to resign then, hasn't he? Oh yeah, of course he has. Oh my if he doesn't resign. Well why would he? Bojo the clown didn't resign, why should I? Well, because he said he would. Didn't he, yeah? Oh, oh. and he says he's, he's an upstanding man, man of well, his word. Here we go, so you know. No. Well, I said I'd resign if he, if he sent me to prison. The first thing he'll do is appeal it. Yeah, I suppose. And yeah. have all his lawyer mates doing the best they can. You know, a lot of students who were fined 10 grand probably couldn't yeah. afford the best lawyers to, you know, to appeal their fixed penalty notices. Yeah. But, ugh, broken record, they're all the fucking same. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Is a monster raving loony party still a thing? I would hope so. Mm. Screaming Lord Such. That's the fella. He was the leader, wasn't he? Yeah. There was another one, like Buckethead was... <laughs> Lord, he was Lord in Guns and Roses, Roses, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Are you not thinking of uh, Vermin Supreme? Maidstone. Ah, oh, no, no, that's someone else. He was in America. He runs in America, Vermin America. Supreme. He's got Wellington uh, on his head. Oh. Yeah. Um, shall we do Bernie, Bernie Eccleston? Oh, he said something He's about like, Putin, didn't he? Putin is my best friend. Something like that. <laughs> Did he not say... I mean, like the... What you meant to say is... I'm the son of the Pope. Sorry, you meant to say... Putin is Hitler. Yeah. But uh, Bernie Eccleston... Explain who Bernie Eccleston is, because most people listening in America. He's not a Formula One racer. 
he used to own Formula One. So he bought Formula One when it was on its arse in like the 60s or the 70s. Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport. <laughs> Car motorsport. In the, in the world. Um, so it's better than NASCAR, for example. And um, he basically did it, you know, sold it off recently to some kind of hedge fund or private equity firm who were sort of an American one. But he made billions out of it, essentially. But he's like 91, um, and he's always been a player. Yeah, and he was being interviewed on Good Morning Britain, yeah. which is the UK's flagship breakfast TV news magazine show. Yeah. And he came out with this. Do you still regard him as a friend? Talking about Vladimir Putin. Do you still stand by that feeling towards him? I'd still take a bullet for him. That's pretty that's pretty clear. That's a type of dildo, right? <laughs> it's got a clip bullet. <laughs> that's a terrible image. Oh. It's like I've already seen Putin topless. Mm. And now yeah, I'm having to think oh. about him with Bernie Eccleston. Bent over in front of him, taking a, a bullet into the clit. Photoshop fans, get ready for next week's artwork. <laughs> I'd rather it didn't hurt, but I mean, if it does, I'd still take a bullet. <laughs> I mean, what you do, it shouldn't hurt, should it? I mean, what are you doing with your masturbatory aids? Well, maybe he's talking, a rush. Yeah, he's talking about the, uh, the prostate bullet, isn't he? Not the clit bullet. <laughs> rather it didn't hurt. Mm. Yeah, make sure you tie a string to the end of it as well. Otherwise, yeah. you'll lose it up there, especially yeah. a man of his age. Yeah. Can't he just walk loose. around his garden a few times like every other 90-odd-year-old? Oh, raising money for the NHS. And yeah. then getting embezzled by his, <laughs> by his family. Daughter, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> because he's a first-class person, and what he's doing is something that he believed was the right thing he was doing for Russia. Unfortunately, uh, He's like a lot of business people. So. Yeah, business he wants to get people. that toilet talks, talks to him about he's a business person. Yeah. If you ever were... Oh, if you were ever unsure about... He's the richest man in the world. Politics, business, it's mm. all the same thing. And Bernie, it's a very throwaway comment, but Bernie Eccleston, mm. who's been a business magnate for... Four decades. Maybe long. He knows them all. Mm. He's met them all. And he drops the bomb there. We are even just hinted at it. Like any other business person, mm. that's who these fuckers are. They're not representatives. They're not public service. Serve, ser, public servants. They're businessmen mm-hmm. and women. Don't be like me, that uh, we make mistakes from time to time. And when you've made the mistake, you have to do the best you can to get out of it. And I think if it had been conducted properly, I mean, the other person in Ukraine, I mean, his profession, I understand, he used to be a comedian. And I think he seems as if he wants to continue that profession. Because I think if he'd have thought about things, he would have definitely made the big enough effort to speak to Mr. Putin, who is a sense. Yeah, uh, You're going to get his message here. Yeah, damn it. I can't believe they let him go so long. Yeah. They're, they're, jumping in. they're just like this. <laughs> 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 they 
<laughs> but yeah, just rubbing the hands together because it was all over the news. Wasn't Clickbait, it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we've got it being the biggest podcast in the world in Bulgaria. Yeah, Bulgaria. In, sorry, in, in philosophy in Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was, it was sort of slagging off Zelensky there, who is a comedian, a comedian actor. Yeah. His political party is named after the TV show. Yeah. It's like Ricky Gervais running and calling his, his show, his political party, Extras, or yeah. The Office. Zelensky's political party is named after the TV show that he starred in, starred in and produced. Mm. I nothing, don't nothing he was see. expecting a war, though, was he? Nothing to see there. Simple person okay. and would have listened to him and could have probably done something about it. Bernie, what, what we have is, is the actions of Vladimir Putin and, and the war that he started in Ukraine has led to the death of thousands of innocent Ukrainians, the death of a lot of Russian servicemen as well. You can't justify that, surely. Can he? I think he might have a justification coming up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it wasn't intentional. I mean, look. What wasn't intentional? The war? <laughs> it's an well, accident. Look at sort of times America has moved into different countries, which has nothing to do with America. Uh-oh. I mean, they're, they're, actually, in America, it's their business. They like wars because they uh, sell a lot of armament, so it's good for Uh-oh. them. Oh, he is way down the rabbit hole, isn't he? <laughs> with us. Uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya. Yeah. Go back. You want to go back to the seventies? Look at Central America, mm-hmm. South America. Yeah. Been learning about that on the oh, boys. Whoa, whoa, bad Russian guys done it. I thought you were pointing on the chat. <laughs> Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy's done it. Yeah, we were hip- hypocrites. Play hypocrites. Hippoc- yeah, hypocrites. We make up this dossier. <laughs> Weapon WMDs. We yeah, make up this dodgy dossier. It was no, about oil and we nothing said, else. Said it all before, Money. didn't we? When it all started, we said the same, didn't we? When did he have his Nazi orgy? Was that the same guy? Was that, that was someone no, else? No, that Max was Max Mosley. He was the he was the head of the FIA, like right. the, uh, the safety body or you know the uh, governing body. He's dead now, I think, isn't he? He died recently. Yeah, he had like he was. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Why I'm laughing about this, but he was like in constant pain. <laughs> Until the day he died, he got like, some weird cancer that made him yeah, in shit. pain. Yeah. They look similar, though. Yeah. They're two old white men <laughs> with silver hair. Two cheeks of the same arse. Exactly, yes. yeah. But yeah. that that Mosley is related to Oswald Mosley. Mm. From it's Peaky his... Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> it's his son, isn't it? Yeah, son. I think it is, yeah. yeah. So... <clears throat> and he was a Nazi sympathiser. And when does Robert Murdoch fit into all this? Was he in the Kim Robert suit? Murdoch? Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> Robert was his dad, wasn't he? Uh, he might have a son. Are you not missing Robert Maxwell and Rupert Murdoch? <laughs> okay, <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> One of them. More old white guys. Yeah. But he had black hair, didn't he, Maxwell? Oh, that, right, okay. So he wasn't allowed to the orgy? No. He was from Eastern Europe. He was... And- Polish? Polish. His mum, and yeah. He fought um, on our side in the war. In the war. And then changed his name afterwards. Yeah. When did he and fall off a boat? Anglicised his name. 92? Wow. 91? Yeah, that's a long time, yeah. He, um, 
I, I watched a, there's a really good documentary on it on the iPlayer. It was I don't know if it's still on three part one and Gislaine was in it as well. Obviously, Fine. twenty years, eh? She got twenty years. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. Ten less than R. Kelly. Yeah, well, for uh, twenty years for um, trafficking people to nobody. Why? What do you mean? Well, none of the guys who she was trafficking the people to have been arrested, have they? Oh yeah, the and clients. It, yeah, but she's not saying that she was just doing it. They're doing it for the person that the you know that hanged himself. Epstein, yeah. the shadowy ringleader. I don't know. I mean, I thought she would have done a plea. She's probably scared. If she, uh, if she, if she, I'm guessing the the truth is, is that if she talks, she dies. <laughs> she, you know, she Maybe. ends up hanging herself in a prison cell, mm. or you know, suicided, tooth to the head, <laughs> suicide, like that uh, Clinton spad. Hillary's uh, spad. Was it Hillary's spad who died? Who suicide? Two gunshots to the head. You ever, you ever looked at the Hillary uh, death kill list? Is that Dick Cheney you shot? <laughs> <laughs> Dick Cheney's got form, hasn't he? Fucking hell! Just look at like how many people linked to Hillary Clinton have died in the last. Who've died in suspicious circumstances in oh. the last thirty years? Wow! It's uh, it's doesn't sixty seventy odd people. Mm-hmm. Not Monica Lewinsky, though. No, useful idiot. <laughs> Young, dumb, and full of cum. Oh, not not full anymore. Some of it went on the dress, right? I believe so. Yeah. I've, I've lost where we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleaned that up. Ooh, right. So that was Eccleston. So yeah. What about? Let's do some sleazy Tories. What about <laughs> Chris Pincher by name? Oh yeah. Pincher by night. <laughs> so, who's this? Chris Pinch is the uh, former, now, Tory deputy, <clears throat> chief, deputy whip. chief, chief whip. Whip. And, um, Tory whip. I've got a couple of clips. Um, a good one from Channel 4. It's sort of a overview of the catastrophe that is Chris Pincher. <laughs> Big smiles and hand outstretched, but this is not the soundtrack Boris Johnson wanted for welcoming New Zealand's Prime Minister to Downing Street. It's Jacinda. Jacinda Ardern's in the UK. How is she allowed to go back home now? Because she's vaccinated. Oh, right. Oh, OK. They're opening up. I've got a clip later. She was on Lorraine. Lorraine Kelly. All right. As a, like oh, a pitch, right, okay, okay. A, a okay. sales pitch for tourists. Come to New Zealand, we're open now. Okay, let's carry on. <laughs> Pincher. Chris Pincher. It took a few hours to come, but the answer to that last question Where? was yes. Chris Pincher, Deputy Chief Whip, the man in charge of welfare for Tory MPs, resigned from government last night in disgrace. On Wednesday night, he had been here, the Carlton Club, where he allegedly groped two men. <laughs> Mr Pincher didn't mention the specifics when he resigned, just writing to the Prime Minister, last night I drank far too much. I think the right thing to do in the circumstances is for me to resign as Deputy Chief Whip. I owe it to you and the people I've caused upset to, to do this. 
Last night, Downing Street sources said the Prime Minister thought Chris Pincher had done the decent thing by resigning, and as things stood, he would face no further action. It was a position that couldn't last even 24 hours. This afternoon, Boris Johnson spoke to a Tory MP who was one of the men allegedly groped, according to a Downing Street source. It was, quote, sufficiently disturbing. And late this afternoon, Chris Pincher was suspended from the party and will now be investigated by Parliament's independent complaints and grievance scheme. Sufficiently disturbing. A fellow MP. Oh. And he's the whip. He's in charge of, like, welfare in the party. Oh, God. That's his... Yeah. This sufficiently disturbing. Well, I'd I'd had rather a few too many Newcastle brown ales, it turns (laughs) out. I guess. What did he, he said he'd take a bullet for me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he meant a bullet on the old. What do you call it? The old, not the quiff, the uh, the queef, the old uh, the taint, the old taint bullet. Maybe slip it inside for the old prostate. I guess I was misunderstood. I misunderstood your motives. Good lord. Yeah. Um, moving on uh, it's not the first time he's been in trouble this is from Channel 4 again this is the second time Chris Pinter has resigned from the whip's office excellent the second time he's resigned from the whip's office first was in 2017 when a Tory activist called Alex Story claimed Mr Pincher had made unwanted advances towards him in 2001 I mean it doesn't sound like him making unwanted advances <sighs> Writing for the Mail on Sunday back then, Mr Story said after being poured a whiskey, I suddenly felt a bit woozy as he became unusually tactile. He then started untucking the back of my shirt, massaging my neck and whispered, you'll go far in the Conservative Party. Ooh, God damn. You'll go far in the Conservative Party. I mean, what else has he done? Mr. Story likened Chris Pincher to a pound shop Harvey Weinstein, the disgraced (laughs) Hollywood producer, and concluded the deceit employed to get me to his flat went far beyond misreading the signs. I would say it was clearly premeditated. Chris Pincher was cleared of wrongdoing at the time by a conservative probe. Cleared of wrongdoing by a probe. (laughs) No, nothing here, nothing to see here. He succumbed to a conservative probe and was found innocent. Still an MP on 80 grand a year, all the way through all this. Yeah. And with the pension, what's the MP's pension after one term? I Isn't it half would... pay? Isn't it 35 grand a year? I don't know. I thought, he, I, I thought you had to do two terms and then you run a full pension or some shit. Well, he's got them in. He's got them numbers in anyway. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fucked up, man. Imagine being retired on like 40 grand a year. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's from, um, it's from, it's not, I don't think it comes from taxation. I think it's safe. Like most pensions, um, are tied to the stock market. Mm. And if that times your fault, you're not getting your pension. Yeah. Which is going to happen probably in the next two years. <laughs> so buy gold, buy tangible assets and keep them somewhere safe. PlayStation 5s. Like the, uh, the numbers on the, on the computer screen are in the bank. They're not worth a shit. And a pension is a promise. It's a fucking promise to pay you what you think you you deserve. It's like, I won't trust it. 
but I think with MPs, I'm sure it's absolutely cast iron, yeah. triple locked. I mean, there's no way they're not going to pay their own pensions. No, I know, yeah. And so when are we uh, getting into local government then? Who'd <laughs> want the job, man? <laughs> Who'd want the job? I just two terms worth. <laughs> it's only eight years, yeah, ten it's years. Yeah, that. Oh, I think, MP, you know, you need to be an MP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't just, like, go into local government and then be an MP. You need to go, like, Parish go Council. Chris Pincher and... Uh, let him unbutton my shirt. Yeah, and you, you go far in the Conservative Party. Oh, Matt. Gino Chop. Gino Chop. Gosh. ITV, because this isn't. The, the, <laughs> at the beginning of that first clip, the journalist outside number 10, when he's meeting Ardern, says, Are you swimming in sleaze? <laughs> you can't really hear it. But, um, oh, CFR, Noble. Good, Good night, night, all. Night. Good night, all. Um, ICV did a good roundup of the like the last five scandals in as many months, mm-hmm. just to give you put you in the picture. Thought it's worth hearing. A number of scandals have hit the party this year. David Warburton had the whip withdrawn over allegations of sexual harassment and drug use, which he denies. <laughs> Imran Ahmad Khan was jailed for sexually assaulting a 15-year-old boy. Neil Parrish resigned for watching pornography in the Commons. And an unnamed Tory MP has been arrested on suspicion of rape and sexual assault. It's a good year, then. A, a good, good year. A good year for the Conservative Party. All round. Oh. This is this is remind meaning to remind me of um was it like the mid early to mid nineties when like the, 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 the red tops were going after the Conservative Party with all the sleaze and um all the scandals and you know, people going to like sex dens <laughs> hero gasm. Yes, yes. Like it's anything new. That was just it's before like, New Labour though, right? Yeah. I see. History. Usually, mm. if you talk about these things, you're labelled a conspiracy theory. Yeah. That, like, there might be rings of paedophiles in the upper echelons of power. Yeah. Well, that's nonsense. You're a tinfoil hat nutcase. But, I mean, just since. Oh, well, let's hear it again. A number of scandals have hit the party this year. David Warburton had the whip withdrawn over allegations of sexual harassment and drug use, which he denies. Imran Ahmad Khan was jailed for sexually assaulting a 15-year-old boy. Neil Parrish resigned for watching pornography in the Commons. And an unnamed Tory MP has been arrested on suspicion of rape and sexual assault. We're being governed by a bunch of fucking degenerates, man. Corrupt. Simple as. Yeah. These are the ones we know about. Mm. We can't. What can we do, though, until, what, when's the next general election? Well, so you get the other group of degenerates in. They're all the same. You know, just uh, leave me alone. Stay away from it, from me. It makes you wonder what kind of person goes into that line of work. Psychopaths. Yeah. Somebody wants uh, a big pension. Yeah. A guaranteed pension. Absolutely. I wonder when you qualify for your pension as well. Yeah. Is it at retirement age or is it as soon as you're kicked out? As soon as you leave office. Get out of it. Fuck off. <laughs> 55 it'll be God We need No different rules for them We need to be MPs We do Like yesterday Yeah We change it from the inside What do we need to do What do we need to do 
No, we need to work for 10 years and then we'll have a pension. Yeah. You can just live on. So we all sign up for PPE degrees. Imagine yeah. how many stickleback houses you could buy with your expenses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sent this that TikTok video. What was that TikTok video of someone who knew someone who was working in Priti Patel's department? Oh, yeah. She, she. What was she kind of saying? She was saying, like, um, talking about how we don't really talk about how like MPs' expenses are essentially, um, well, they're just from tax money, aren't they? And Sometimes called the gravy train. Yeah. <laughs> and the average, I, I don't know if that was what she said, or I read somewhere else or heard something else. So the av- average uh, MP uh, expenses claim is £200,000 a year. Um, and we're paying that, obviously. That's a lot of meal deals. And she, this person says that she has a friend who works in Priti Patel's department and they were saying that they, they hadn't met she met up or whatever for a while and he said oh that's fine I'm out in Spain I'll just tack on an extra few days come over and meet me and I'll put it on expenses free money yeah yeah but you know I mean she needs to go to James Bond premieres because <laughs> it's a matter of <laughs> state security absolutely She's um, she's got an interesting past, Pretty the Barbarian. Really, <clears throat> lobbying. I, mean, the, the, I thought a lot of people in the well in the Conservative Party and probably all parties come through the the lobbying or PR things like that. Yeah, she was PR representative for uh, tobacco. Oh, she yeah, no. alcohol. <laughs> Typical upstanding. <laughs> upstanding person, you know, a servant of the people. Like Mahashala. Running, running cover and PR for Big Tobacco. Right. Like in House of Cards. What's he called? Yeah. Mahashala Ali's guy. What's he called? He was a, a lobbyist, wasn't he? Yeah, what was he, what was he called? In, I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember the character's name. But what industry did he represent? I can't remember. All of them. Yeah, probably. Cool. Yeah, I think there's... I think. I might be might get the ratio wrong, but I think there's three pharmaceutical lobbyists in Washington per representative. I think right. that's just pharmaceutical industries. Never mind tobacco, mm. uh, energy, oil, mm. food, high fructose corn syrup. Gotta get your fr- high fructose corn syrup in there. <laughs> it's injected in your fucking veins. It's great. Mm. Um, Arden, Jacinda Arden, Comrade Arden is in the country. The uh, dear leader of New Zealand. Yes. That's a communist enclave in the South Pacific. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. And she was being interviewed by Lorraine, Lorraine Kelly, lovely Lorraine Kelly from Scotland on her breakfast TV programme. And um, it was like a sales pitch for New Zealand because... Because their southern hemisphere, our summer is their winter, their winter yeah. is our summer and all the rest of it. Plus they filmed um, Lord of the Rings there. Have they filmed the new... No, series that's there? in Leeds or somewhere. It's <laughs> 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 somewhere around here. Anyway, I've got the clip of uh, Jacinda. And the great news is, from the end of this month, New Zealand is open for business. What? They've been short. This entire Since time. 2020. Wow. No one in or out. Holy wow. shit. Oh, we're actually already for, already for those there. Yep. Anyone in the UK, you can travel now. Anyone in the UK, you can travel now. How much are flights? Uh-uh. I can't go. 1,400 quid. 
I can't go. You wouldn't go anyway, Phil. Well, don't lie to me, Jacinda. I see through your lies. You said anyone from the UK can go, and she that's not She meant anyone true. important. She meant anyone who'd, who'd succumbed and, and acquiesced to the... anal bullets. To the magic juice that's still in a trial. Um, and you can plan your trip now. Particularly, I'll put a plug in. Your winter. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's, oh, it's that, it's that pincher again. It's going to put the anal plug in. The butt plug. Well, paedophile rings in the upper echelons. <laughs> oh. yeah. Even the lefties are at it. Uh, it's our summer. It absolutely so, um, is. Make, it make absolutely is. And a beautiful, beautiful country. And anybody going from the UK who's been... I mean, I've been lucky enough to go. Um, it's kind of... Like being at home? Yes. You can have all that way. <laughs> What's the point then? Eh? Going Go all there? that way and there's a Greg's and it's raining. Going where to Cumbernauld, Lorraine? <laughs> Sterling? Yeah, and then you feel at home. Yes, having been to Scotland, though, I can say um, summer is uh, a little more summery in New Zealand. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. As much as I, of course, love uh, places like Scotland, but no, New Zealand, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that... Just hear Lorraine under her breath going, Come on! <laughs> <laughs> I can be objective. It is um, the most beautiful place. It's gorgeous. Right. She really sold it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. I can't go. I'm not allowed in. You have to have been vaccinated. So you have to, sorry, you have to have been fully vaccinated, whatever that means. Does that mean two or three? Maybe four? Maybe six? You're not, I don't know how many jobs. Can you not just test for it? Nope. Nope. You have to. I went on the website, on New Zealand's website, because I knew she'd be lying. So I wanted to see how how much she was lying. And yeah, if, you've been, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in. Right. to New Zealand. I just rem- I remember this clip from earlier in the pandemic. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. You've got to take uh, a rapid antigen test on day one and day six for COVID when you get there. Oh. And uh, obviously if it's positive, PCR, isolate for seven days. You put it into a COVID so camp. That'd be good for your holiday, won't it? Stay. You can't even go out for groceries. So, yeah. Fuck you. No, not coming. <laughs> not coming. Why would you want to put yourself through that? I mean, holidays are supposed to be relaxing, man. Mm. Not taking tests. It's over. Get over it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Comrade Arden. I should have had uh, that. I should have had this. Because I'm literally a communist. I didn't have that queued up. Because you're getting slow, man. Just a lack of skill, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's disturbing. Yeah. Did you... Uh, what time are we on? Quarter to 11. Late. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's late. Okay, um, I've got two more. Two shorties. <sighs> Do you see the Just Stop Oil protest? No. Stop. Do you know what Just Stop Oil is? Um, we've just got to stop using oil. Let the food systems collapse, um, and no more tires, no more shoes, no more massage. Do you no, know how, no more plastic? Do you know what's so funny? Do you know how much oil goes into lubricating wind farms? <laughs> A lot, I imagine. Fucking millions of oh. gallons. It's like this is one of those grand it. ironies, isn't it? Yeah, because it's a scam. It's a mm-hmm. scam, man. I'm saying it since the start. But anyway, yeah, just stop oil. These uh, these two numbnuts, they uh, glued themselves to a Van Gogh. Sorry, everybody, we don't want to be doing this. We need to lose this painting. 
God. Oh, they sound like they're from Britain. Oh, yeah, it's in the UK, this Van Gogh. Terrified for our future. Oh, it's him. He, uh, he fucking strapped himself to a goalpost at Goodison Park. <laughs> Did he? And he, oh, and, he and he almost killed himself because they couldn't fucking get it off him <laughs> for ages. He started, like, going pink. Wow. Well, he, hasn't got, he hasn't got the balls to glue himself to the actual painting, has he? <laughs> well, the frame will be worth frame. a fucking fortune. I don't know. Well, you can't glue yourself to the painting. It's That's too soft. Hear that. You need to glue yourself to something hard for it to go off, don't you? He doesn't have the balls to write just stop oil across the front of it. See, That's serious. Ooh. If you want to be a serious anarchist. Yeah. Wow. He, he's, activist. As you'll see in the clip, he's aware I'm probably going to get arrested for this. Fuck, yeah, he's uh, if, just out if, for the column inches. Yeah, if you spray just stop oil across that painting, you're getting sued and yeah, in a proper jail. Well, he's got no money. Look at his jeans, but <laughs> he's got, yeah, you get fucked up, right? Yeah. But if he's serious, <laughs> isn't that the sort of thing they want to be doing? Yeah, they're not serious. No, is that what we're getting at? That's what we're getting at. I mean, right? I don't know if to say this now. Say this or not. Oh no! All right, look at this. <laughs> that lasted three seconds. Look at this guy. He's a complete baiter. He's hundred pound wet through. He's not very attractive. He he's got nothing. As he's got nothing going on for him. And look at this young lady next to him. Oh, Phil. That is the reason they do this shit, man. Oh, look, he, the, <laughs> look at the tiny bulge. All, all he is interested in is getting into the pants of this young lady next to him. The same with these fucking hardcore feminists. These fucking beaten male feminists who wank on about women's rights. They're not interested in women's rights. They just want to get the pussy. Isn't this been the same That's since the dawn of want. time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like you've got two ways around it. You know, how are you going to proceed? Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's virtue signaling nonsense. Oh, you're probably right. You've met, I've met guys like this. <laughs> it's I've, not nervous as I've been in bands with guys like this. Not Phil, you, I'm right here. <laughs> names and <laughs> names. Not you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we all know what the motives are. The, the, the dishonest. And we all know what they want. They want the pussy. As usual. They'll probably end up in government. Fine. Uh, as long as they leave me alone, I don't care. We're here because the UK government is pushing through over 40 new fossil fuel projects. No. So, like, she's way out of his league. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't find her particularly attractive. <laughs> yeah, but you're not him. You're not him. He's never had a, a woman... He's never he's never been close to a woman. He's not had these experiences. Yeah. She is on a pedestal. She's like a goddess to him. She's like Isis. Big brain thinking would have been to glue themselves together. And that way. Yeah. Nah, you can't push it. You, you slowly, slowly, slowly catchy the monkey. Oh, God. Her monkey. Has this been... Is this on YouTube? I don't know. Mm. Probably. That's what I mean. Why should this be on YouTube? But not ours. It's on. Um, it's on whatever that icon is on the top right. I imagine. Yeah, that might be their channel. Single project they sign is like signing our death warrant. My generation has no other choice but to take mm. this kind of action. It's not really, though, is it? 
a death warrant. No. The lack of action. I want to hear what she has to say. She is... This is what I mean about, you know, the patriarchy is in action right <laughs> here. Really. <laughs> you stand there, be quiet, glue your hand to this. I said glue your hand to it! <laughs> so, Where's the print stick? <laughs> <laughs> you had one job! <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to be successful either. I was I don't I was watching something the other day. Again, it's a TikTok video, so I don't know how accurate this was. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> so we'll take it as like. Uh, Gospel. <laughs> People are suffering. Exactly. How dare you laugh? So, in the year 2000, apparently, there was estimates that we would barely get to something like 20 gigawatts of wind uh, power generated, and it's now like 160 or something a year. And I think they did something similar for um, solar, and that ended up being like, ridiculous like you know a thousand thirty odd thousand times more basically than what was estimated 20 years ago so we're up we're doing well yeah absolutely wow but that doesn't get reported does it no yeah so well um go go back and watch um an inconvenient truth i know people said i'll go his documentary that he won the was he an oscar he won for yeah did he win a Nobel Peace Prize for it I as think well? So. I think he got nominated or for an, um, a science one or something. Yeah, it's like New York should have been underwater by now uh. because you know scientists predicted climate scientists. <laughs> it's not me saying it; it's him, and he won the awards for it. Should have been flooded by now. Bullshit, mm. nonsense, models, make believe. <laughs> we learnt nothing from the last two years. No, obviously not. Yeah. Why is Bill Gates buying fucking beachfront mansions when he's saying they're going to be underwater in 10 years? Yeah. Nonsense. Scam. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, it's like the fucking electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. They're talking about putting... <laughs> fucking the EU. The EU passed something to the, uh, this week where you're going to have uh, this tracker in your, in your electric vehicle that'll... Uh, what's it do? Oh, it'll, it'll take control of the engine if you go over the speed limit and reduce the speed oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. In an electric one? An electric, oh, new electric cars. It's um, from this month. Oh, right. And cars, new cars now have to have this in, in the EU. Wow. Um, but they've got two years to retrofit them into all new car sales. This thing that, you know, it's Wi-Fi, fucking put a sticker chip up the arse and it'll fucking slow your car. It'll basically take control of your car mm. via Wi-Fi. It's like, yeah, you're it's call me a, a fucking trip. slave. String me up. It's like, what do you want to overtake? Yeah, if you want to overtake someone. Mm. Well, you can't. What if your kid's just been hit by a car and you want to... You, you can't wait for the overstretched NHS to send an ambulance there in maybe six hours. Mm. So you might want to speed to the hospital. Yeah, guess what? You can't do that anymore. Because you relinquish your freedom. Mm. Won't be hit by a car, though, will it? Because um, they'll all be automated and driving. Oh, fill out, fill out of a tree, then. 
No trees left. No trees left. They've all been turned into oil. Dogs are our leaders now. This sort of safetyism that's crept into society, Malin's done some good stuff on this. Some good videos on this obsession with safetyism. It's not not good for us. I used to ladder in an unsafe manner at the weekend. Sideways, like, uh, what's the guy who was was, um, doing rubbings of the busy ton monument in oh god yeah oh did he, did he, feel, he was on a big ladder right no he mapped it all out didn't he like on a he was a nutcase henry rawlinson yeah. he climbed up the cliff face barehanded oh. and his ladder wasn't tall enough to reach the top of the rubbins <clears> and there was bits of the ledge missing so he led his ladder across the ledge and then got another ladder and led that off the ladder to... oh this shit wasn't that bad what did you do i used an a-frame ladder just together and up against the wall <laughs> oh my god I know right and you made serious. it serious I know still here still here Fuck. daredevil <laughs> do all my own stunts <laughs> well there you go have we time for an am finally I think you'll enjoy it go on then uh, have you heard of this this uh, lady called Emily Ratajkowski yeah yeah I've seen I, films I don't know who she is what is she she's an actress an actor? No, she's a model, and she got she her boobs in, out she in, in Gone Girl. In Gone Girl, oh, yeah. yeah. I knew I'd seen him somewhere. I don't know what Gone Girl is. is it's that a film. A film. It's quite good, I think. If I remember right. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, well, she caused a bit of a stir on Instagram this week because uh, she posted a picture of a dog. Oh, oh, that's a nice dog. Yeah, it's kind of distracting that. That's better. <laughs> Look, he's smiling. Aww. Aww. It's a puppy. Look, his eyebrows. Yeah, I don't know what kind of breed. Is it a Malmute, maybe? No, it's a it's it's Oh, lovely dog. I thought it's always nice to finish on a, a picture of a dog, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right, then. Let's say... Uh, oh, whoa! <laughs> what the fuck? How did that get... Whoops! That shit. <laughs> shit! What's going on? <laughs> oh, phew. Uh, Thank goodness for that. What a roll the Good old... <laughs> good old Sadiq. Take us out of our K-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It's always nice to finish on a joke that's been around for a century. <laughs> Since the first photo diary was a thing. Yes. Well said. Absolutely. Yes. Not, not very well said. Ageless. <laughs> right, we're going to sign off for this week. Are you not entertained? <clears throat> it's hot in here. Yeah. It's body heat. It's because I'm getting wound up. I know. <laughs> yeah. Talking about idiots moving around. You've got flailing arms. I know. Well, you know. I like what you got. Show Good what job. You got. Right, we'll see you next week. It's going to be a banger. Holy Grail. It's going to be the Holy Grail of Holy Grail podcast. Yeah, me and Ben are going to have to think of some questions because he'll say at the end, have you got any questions? I have to go, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I love you. (laughs) Holy Grail. Right, we'll see you next week, fuckos. Arrivederci. Bye. Thank you for watching. Trying to come to a club where people we on each other? Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Party Central. Booty teacher This is such a crock of anal swap test. Yeah.
That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Bullshit. Shit. Well, the thing is, what you do, you call between the devil and the rock at a half place. Open your legs. Why get it?